very special edition of Legendary Sickos, a Legendary Upside and Spike Week crossover show where today we're bringing on even more smart people that I'm going to pick their brains as well. How can we use Dynasty and the way we think about Dynasty fantasy football to draft better best ball teams? Myself, Pat Crane, Davis Maddock, and maybe Jacob Sanderson will get you covered there. Let's do it. All right, guys, here we are. The season is almost here. We were talking quickly before the show started. Uh, I don't know how, how you guys are feeling. Starting to feel like we're running on fumes. I'm very much ready for week, week one. I start dabbling with some DFS lineups, and that's when I know I've got the itch and I'm kind of ready to be done with draft season. But I got a lot more teams to draft. And I do think um, as like dynasty season heats up, you know, you guys are talking about this all, all summer. And I, of course, listened to all those episodes of Legendary Upside. But it does feel like right now is kind of a good time where everybody's doing their dynasty drafts, you know, or at least like the broader community is. I just did one yesterday. And um, it's a it's a kind of a great time to take advantage of some of that stuff. Like the young guys, we have a little bit clearer idea, you know, idea of who's even like gonna make teams, maybe who are the backup running backs in situations, et cetera, et cetera. So we felt like it's a good time, do a little special crossover um uh how we can use dynasty in in best ball. But of course, first of all, Davis. How's everything? How's everything going? How's everything going? Are you ready for the season? You know, um, I'm on the clock in like 180 slow drafts right now. <laughs> I am, as we are speaking, adjusting my drafters ranking so that I can start um, auto drafting some drafters. And uh, yeah, I just am. It's you're you're in that point of the season where you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and you just tell yourself, like, dude, next two weeks are gonna suck. It's not, I'm not going to lie to you. You look yourself in the mirror and you say you're in for a bad time. But three weeks from now, when you're looking at stuff and and the 18th round guy that you really like scores a touchdown in week one, and you can be like, I've got Michael Wilson on 31% of 840 teams, that's when it is all worth it. So we're we're feeling good, man. We're feeling good. Yeah. That is hey, you guys so, want to so uh, plan a move to San Diego this the, the end of this month? Does that sound <laughs> yes. like something you should add to? Yeah, because that's what I'm doing. Seems, super smart. Seems super, smart. super ideal. Yeah. yeah. I'm smart and someone you should listen to. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a hell of a month for me. Um, I've got a ton of drafts that I'm also trying to get done. Uh, Draft Kings is where I'm going to be spending a, a lot of my time. Um, I feel like pretty – I feel really good for where I'm at on – underdog i've been able to do some of the higher stake stuff slow i on pace with bbm i'm actually like a little bit ahead of the fill right there so i feel fine about that but man DraftKings, i'm still i'm only about a third of the way done through the ten dollar third of the way done through the 44 dollar i've got my five five fives uh on schedule i'm obviously not gonna i'm not maxing that but it's, i'm i'm on schedule of what i wanted to do why so. not are you a coward didn't you're didn't I, yeah i'm a coward yeah, didn't your accountant uh, tell you to get as much down as you possibly could? That is the most top heavy week 17 thing where it's like you either like there's a it's very binary. Like either I'm super glad I maxed it because I won a million dollars or I'm absolutely shattered that I maxed it. And yeah, I just it's, don't it's, it's just money you don't owe to Uncle Sam. Yeah, you get I get half off basically, but I still do lose yeah. it. Like if I put uh two million dollars in play <laughs> this year and I lose all the money, like I, I 
That sucks for me. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't get down two million in best ball if <laughs> you true. wanted to, unless unless you were CSU. Would you guys be maxing the five 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 in my shoes? I don't I'd be think... maxing everything. I'd be paying people to draft for me. Like I would be. I would. I. I would be maxing all the contests there were to because also I'm maxing a lot thing. of stuff. I'm not. I'm that one was not. Best ball is going to be harder next year than it is yeah. this year, and it's going to be harder two years from now. Like the we're we're in a, a good sweet spot of the of the game still being of people still drafting. You know, Najee Harris in the fourth round. Yeah, big time. Uh, the, the, I will say the problem that you have is the high stakes tournaments. Quite frankly, almost everywhere are pretty shitty structures yeah. that I don't I don't really love. Um, really like so the Mastiff, the which is like a cash game, or the five five five, which is like just silly top heavy in the final week. No one yeah. cares about this, but but maybe uh, it's okay. Uh, this we're all venting our uh, you know lamenting all the teams that we have to draft here, and <clears throat> I'm almost done with BBM. I'm almost done with done with Underdog. It wasn't even really a plan that way, but. Uh, uh, we're trying to take advantage of all these fishies over in the DraftKings land. So I actually feel mm-hmm. pretty good about where I'm at in terms of like, the, like you said, the sites I have to draft on, I got a ton to do on drafters and a ton to do on DraftKings. but I feel like if I had to do that over again, I would probably still do the same thing. I know like the BBM rooms are softer now than they were in May and June and whatever, when yeah, we were drafting, they're not, they're not easy though, but it's not. Yeah. I don't think it's that different. Like you will show up in one out of three times. There's two guys that go in the first round on DraftKings, and you're just like, Oh, 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 oh baby. You know, like you're going to get like Tyree kill at the one eleven, like a, like, and not a totally small number of times on DraftKings. on underdog. Like the soft room is like one or two fallers. And so um, I feel, I feel pretty good about that approach. Like we've talked about the, barbell and you know all that kind of different different stuff that has evolved as the game has has changed and we have a billion different tournaments to play but i think i do feel pretty good about like if you're trying to attack certain sites at certain times there are different you know within the time limitations that we have i kind of like like and if you're going to auto draft right like drafters davis is like i don't even have time to sit in all these drafts that's the one site where you can do it and you're not like completely punting off that money so i feel good about all that I mean, that's the, the, you, you just hit on the thing, which is that sure. If I could draft 150 best ball mania teams, like right now, when the rooms are a little bit softer and ADP is a little bit more crystallized, like maybe I would, but just time management. I can't do that. I, I don't just know. Don't. I mean, there's stuff like I had a bunch of Khalil Herbert early and I don't know, in the 11th, 12th round or something like that. And I didn't feel good about it for a minute. And now I feel good about it. And there's lots of stuff like that where I need to like go review and, if I have time, which I probably won't, but if I'm watching football in week one and I want to start looking at some of these teams and just like kind of see what I have more for just like roster baiting purposes, then, you know, it's gonna be funner to look at those early teams and see what kind yeah. of values got paired up. Obviously you're going to have, you know, if you're me, a fair amount of uh, third round briefs that won't look as fun from a value perspective, but there's going to be, I think lots of good values and fun kind of textures of teams that were impossible to get later. So, I don't know. I, I like drafting all the way through the summer. I think like you're basically whenever you're drafting is going to have some advantages. Some yeah, advantages. it's it's just fun. It's and also it's just fun to draft. It is. Fun and you draft. get, as you say, you get different textures, right? So I just did a draft, a BBM draft with Pete on Friday on Best Ball After Dark. And we took a bunch of guys like a ahead of their where their ADP goes right now. We did the the Lamar and Andrews at the two, three turn with Justin Jefferson um because we just wanted wanted to build that and then we actually reached on two guys who uh a we reached on them in general but have risen a ton at the four or five turn 
Deontay Johnson and uh, JSN. And, hmm. and, and people were like, oh, man, you know, those are big reaches. How do you how do you, you know, figure that out? Well, like drafts right now are just different. Like we ended up getting uh, I believe it was both Bateman and Traylon Burks fell to, uh, you know, way past ADP and came back to us. It was like, well, really, if we just like flipped a couple of guys around. So the, the 10 11 must be what you're saying, right? The yeah, they felt wow. this was you know, shortly after the Burks injury and uh-huh. uh, Bateman. Bateman is back falling again, which I can't really figure out uh why but anyway right some of the texture and then we take some different late round guys like you have we, i just have new 17th and 18th round guys that i wasn't taking before i didn't realize were a thing right jalen warren moves up but damian harris plummets you know tank bigsby moves up but kendra miller plummets and we find mm-hmm. out kendra's totally fine that was kind of bizarre uh last night but just like the text i think we worry too much about all that different stuff when like you're never it's, this isn't dfs you're not going to like have dupes like you're not going to have to worry about that when you're draft, when you're in that room, you can do some funky little things. Right. And um, you don't have to draft Daryl Henderson when he moves from the 12th to the fourth. That's a very different conversation, but like just because Jalen Warren was going in the one fifties and he's going in the one twenties right now. Like, I don't really think that that means you have and to avoid those that guys. much, yeah. especially because it's like, it's, it's happening. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, if, if there is a, and it's not like he's rocketing up. But he ain't going backwards. Like him and going t- backwards, if, yeah. if, if you want to take them tough shit, this is the new price. Like if you want to take a stand against guys, whatever. But like, guess what? You ain't getting cheaper, Jalen Warren, at, at any no. point the rest of the summer. No. So or Herbert, uh, right? There's a number of these guys where it's like Waller. Waller, I've made my peace with. I'll see you later. Yep. You know, it was nice. We had a nice. We didn't hang out all that often in July, but there were some hangs. But now you, <laughs> we've moved on with our lives. You're going to be in the fifth round, and I'm going to be doing other things. So. But to Davis's point, I do think also, uh, A, it's fun, like you mentioned, just drafting and stuff. But there, there is, right, you want to enjoy the experience not only of the drafting, but there is something about we're doing all this, all this. We have a mental illness for six months drafting doubt, like literally more than a thousand best ball teams. Because, like you said, when week one hits and Michael Wilson scores a touchdown, right, or or, uh, you know, when I, when I get to watch Sam Howell throw for 304 and, you know, just uh, I won't even tag Pat. I'll just like you know, totally subtweet him or something like that to, to get no, my rocks me. off. On, I, I'm know, excited I, for early season Sam Howell. I mean, I, I'm in, you know, I well, think that's going to be great. We don't need to talk about the the nuance of why you actually dislike him. And what, by week 14, when Brissett's dunk starting, we can, all over me. We can I'm, I'm yeah, excited. we can forget, we can forget about all that. But week 17 what, dunks will will not. Don't do that. Don't tag me. Subtweet <laughs> yeah. me there. I'm going to be sad. So don't, don't rub it in. But to kind of what we were going to talk about here, I feel like this part of the summer is when um, like this dynasty mindset. And when I really start thinking about a lot of these young guys for my dynasty drafts, you know, uh, everybody in our little bubble loves the stealing bananas uh, episodes where Sean and Ben forecast the first two rounds of next season. I think this is kind of piggybacking on that kind of a, uh, you know, a thought experiment. And I really do think it's like, Heading in now, I, I'm viewing things a little bit differently. And it, it's not even like I'm forcing myself to think about it from a dynasty perspective. I think it naturally starts to happen. When you start to see some of these young guys play, you start to get news on some of these younger guys, particularly like later in drafts. And every time I watch JSN on the football field, I'm convinced he's just literally going to be a star from the from day one. All this different stuff starts to really kind of rise to the top, I feel like, at this point in the summer. And it, this is when I feel like we can like start to take some of those stands on those dynasty guys, because in April, May, whatever, 
you just don't really know, you know, about rookie. Like, are you getting Justin Jefferson or are you getting David Bell? Like, I don't know. I got, I don't, you know, I don't know. Are you getting whatever Garrett Wilson? Or are you getting Jalen Tolbert? <laughs> like I, in May, I don't really know, but now we do start to know. Uh, and so that's when I really like to sink my teeth into some of those dynasty type guys and think about it from that lens. Not, not to not do it in May, but you have a lot more information to act on now, I think in August and September. I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of cases of this, especially because a lot of these guys, the dynasty consensus impacts them more than the training camp reports. And like, what's going on with like Michael Wilson is the best example of this. We're like Michael Wilson, like starting out in rookie training camp, like looked like he was going to be a starter. Like basically came in right away. They, they drafted him way over, you know, like what his ADP would have been in the NFL, like where he was projected to go. And he was really the only big body wide receiver, but he like really wasn't a good prospect. <laughs> Crane, I think he went undrafted in, one of our rookie leagues, uh, one of our, one of our dynasty leagues that we were in together. Um, But now I'm like, I can't wait to take Mike Wilson. Cause all, I mean, like every NFL thing that happens to these guys, their prospect profile matters way less. And that's like totally happening for Michael Wilson, where the, the, the dynasty perspective on him actually like kept you from drafting sort of a clear value. Well, what I would say with the dynasty thing is that we do want to in dynasty i think pay a lot of attention to the prospect profiles and the talent because dynasty provides you with a larger sample size right where if you're drafting a rookie you know i I talk about trade value a lot and now trade value is important but you know getting trades to be accepted or, or accepting a a good trade um, can take some work. And so it's not like you're literally trading every player on your team every year in dynasty. A number of these players are going to hold for a couple of years. That's just the way things are. And if you're, if you're drafting a player and you may have them on your team for two or three seasons, then how good they are like really matters. And it matters less, frankly, how good they are in best ball. Like in best ball, we're talking about a single season, you know, and we're talking about, maybe a single week for some of these best ball mania type tournaments, um, these playoff best ball tournaments. And so we don't want to get as hung up on the talent profile there. Um, guys like Michael Floyd and Kendall Wright come to mind is guys who were not successful NFL draft picks. Really? Um, they were both first round real life picks um, and basically washed out of the league after their rookie contracts but both had pretty successful rookie years. I believe they both went over for over a thousand yards as rookies. So Kendall Wright went know. nuts, didn't he? Kendall Wright like caught like a hundred balls or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, and that's draft capital at work, right? So that's like, you know, and I think through a guy like Zay Flowers, I don't think Zay Flowers had a very good prospect profile from a dynasty perspective. You know, he's an older prospect. He kind of dominated at this, like, not great program. He's undersized. Like, he, he can probably separate pretty well in the intermediate area. But what's his ceiling? You know, is it really worth where he's going in Dynasty? But can Zay Flowers pay off ahead of, you know, Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman's banged up, never played. He's never been a full-time player even. Um, the Ravens take a step forward, pass more. And can he pay off, like, a late seventh round, early eighth round ADP? Like, Yes. Yes, he can. Like that's not, that's not a position that I want to be like in dynasty. I will take a bigger stance. I'm like, I'm going to bet on 
the talent-based profile, you know, what I think this guy is, you don't want to be too dogmatic about that either, but you want to be less dogmatic when you get into these best ball drafts. You know, you've already got Lamar, you know, it's like you, I've drafted a ton of Bateman. It's like, I'm really not going to draft this first round receiver who's having a good camp because I don't think he's going to be awesome in 2025. That's stupid. So you, I think like some, you don't want to let the dynasty thing influence it too much, but I think at the same time, it's helpful to have those guys in your mind of like, if you played dynasty for a while, you do remember these guys who have good rookie years as first round picks don't really develop into much, but, what is the price asking you for? And like Zay Flowers have been an example of a guy where if he turns out to be Kendall Wright, like the full version of Kendall Wright, the whole career, I think you're pretty happy you took him in the seventh round. For sure. I mean, yeah, looking up, sorry, I just wanted to, to so his rookie year, Kendall Wright, he did have 104 targets, which is uh, even more than I would have thought. He went 64 for 626 yards and four touchdowns. His sophomore season, hit 139 targets caught 94 balls for just shy of 1100 yards. Kendall Wright. Okay, so I don't it was know a sophomore how many yards thinking of. Okay. But I don't know how many people would to, and and but I mean that's like I'm I'm trying to think of somebody who that like that's George Pickens or right I mean I'm not comparing Kendall Wright as a prospect to George Pickens but like the second year guy was okay like was like fine as a rookie or whatever say whatever you want about him as a as a as a talent and then like who the fuck else is going to catch the ball, right? Like Tennessee, like they don't have anybody else that that can be someone. And like you said, you look back and the, the guy didn't play past 2017. <laughs> he was out yeah. of the league in 2018. And in 2013, he ca- almost caught a hundred passes in the season. So that's like a really perfect example of what you're talking about. Sorry, Davis. The best example is Eddie Royal, 2008 rookie year. That's the best one. Yeah. 129 targets, 91 receptions, 980 yards. He played in the NFL until he was 30, never earned more targets, never earned more receptions, never had more yards, never scored more touchdowns than that year for the Denver Broncos when he was a rookie, where it's like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I, you know, I'm not uh, super well versed in my 2008 Denver Broncos, but my <laughs> guess would be that that year there would have been a reason to take him in fantasy with like sort of our brains now and how we are able to interpret these results. Brandon Marshall was it was Brandon Marshall was the wide receiver one on that team. And then Brandon Stokely in the slot uh, and Eddie Royal on the outside on the other one. So like you said, that's like Zay or something, right? Like, yeah, um, you know, that 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 is is very much like a Zay or a Zay Flowers. Yeah. Michael Floyd was also actually his second year that had the thousand yards, but but, you know, decent, decent production as a uh, as a rookie as well. And obviously, like if flowers goes down as like a long-term bust, like that's not ideal. Um, but you know, also lots of guys have surprised their prospect, you know, based on what I, you know, at least like I thought they would be from their prospect profile have surprised me, you know, that happens all the time in dynasty and your hit rate is not going to be perfect. You know, we're, we're digging into these prospect profiles and comparing them to previous players and, you know, using thresholds and, analytical stuff and looking at film or whatever, reading scouting reports and you're going to get better. You're going to have a better hit rate than if you didn't do any of that stuff. But at the same time, you are going to miss. And so I do think that there's certain guys where I will ultimately like be more okay taking them in best ball than I am in dynasty. And flowers is really kind of, he kind of checks those boxes for me where it's like, I want to bet on the Ravens this year. 
this looks like a really good year price adjusted, in my opinion, to bet on the Ravens because this is thing it's hard to price. Like how much will Todd Monken affect the offense? Will they pass a lot more? Um, Lamar's not been healthy the last couple of years. The market doesn't like that. Uh, I'm I'm pretty bullish on the Monken effect, partially because like they've been, I mean, just natural regression from the last few years would help you. So then the Monken could be a boost above that. And then Lamar, you know, I'm I'm pretty much always willing to bet on stars to to stay healthy if the market says they're not going to be, you know, you know, the past injuries are going to be a problem. And he's signed to a new contract. They brought in weapons. Like the Ravens are just a, a team that I'm bullish on this year. And then you give me a first round rookie and it's like, okay, yeah, I'll take, I'll take some bets on that guy. Even if I don't think he has the best prospect profile, um, you know, uh, Dotson would be a guy last year. Where I was like, Dotson, Dotson is a exactly, really good example. Yep, yeah. That's exactly who I was thinking of from last year. Yep. So what if he's Dotson on the Ravens? That could be really fun. Pretty good. <laughs> that yeah. would be. That and would, Dotson, would... I think, is probably a worse prospect than Flowers. And I think Dotson might just also be better than I thought he was coming in to I, the I, league I, as well. So like, was, you got yeah. all these different avenues to win on those players, right? Like, like, and Washington, that dude, that was Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke, and you won mm-hmm. with this dude. And partially, it's because he's probably better than we yep. thought he was going to be. But also, just because like. The, I, I think why this conversation is so important and I, I will get, I want to talk about like some older dudes and stuff too. Cause the market does love the youth nowadays, generally from a Mac, a macro sense, but you're just getting prices on guys that whether it's uncertainty or, or overconfidence can be the other thing, right? Like the Broncos, we were all really friggin' overconfident that the Broncos were going to be uh, something awesome last year. But like, if we just think about it like through this dynasty lens, right? Like Zay Flowers makes sense. But if you think about it, you know, from like the, the best ball dynasty lens, right? Not like, a, oh, the Pat's example of Eddie, you know, Kendall Wright and Eddie Royal or whatever. But like if you just kind of take a step back and think about it like, yeah, I like the Ravens. They drafted this dude in the first round. I can win with this guy like a lot of ways in best ball, like a, like a lot of ways in best ball. And it's like almost <laughs> that it's almost that simple. Like to me, like how hard is it? To, how hard is it to win with Najee Harris in the late third? To me, hard, pretty hard. How hard is it to win with eighth round Zay flowers? Not really that hard to me. You know what I mean? It's not that hard. So it's, it's kind of like the dynasty lens makes that, that kind of uh nuance more apparent to me, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. 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 And I also think you have the effect with the rookies specifically of um, they're most likely to produce at the end of the year. Like uh, Jack Miller's done uh, some good work on this. Um, Michael Dudner's put together some charts on this that show that you can actually see, you know, that the points per game for rookies um, go up over the course of the year and they go down for veterans. And so, again, just obviously, like you think about like what's happening in the real world, it's like these teams are checking out their rookies. It's the end of the year. They're seeing what they got. Even if rookies end up sucking, right, they can still contribute to the top finishing teams in these tournaments. For example, I had Tyquan Thornton last year. He is now like the wide receiver five on the Patriots. But he was getting a look at the end of the year. KJ Hamler was on Herzig's winning team. Right, he didn't contribute in week seventeen. He contributed a spike week leading up to that, but he mattered for that team. Amon Ross St. Brown was on Liam's. Obviously, he's a legit player, but like, you can have bus. You can have rookie bus on these teams if you are at least getting them cheap enough. And that's like where a guy like Michael Wilson would come in for me. Where I'm like, 
Michael Wilson, well, he flashed actually a little bit over a five-year college career. He never had like a breakout season really, but he he did flash a couple times with production. And he's athletic, and he's clearly a, a starting wide receiver, not just in three wide receiver sets, but in two wide receiver sets. He is a starter. He looks like he's going to start the entire season if he stays healthy. And then at the end of the year, you know, maybe they're actually like featuring him to see if they can get, well, we haven't gotten as much out of this guy as we thought. Let's see if we dial up some some first reads for him, get, get him the ball, get, you know, let's try him out on screens. Let's see what he can do. Even if their conclusion is that he sucks ass, <laughs> like he still might win you something. Yep. So I did think yeah. like, what's the price asking? What is the, what is the price saying I need? And the price on Michael Wilson's like, be bad, but get used enough um, in the right weeks. Uh, that, that, that would be fine. You know who he feels a little bit like, like not necessarily prospect profile, but in, just in terms of everything you're kind of outlining there. It's like, remember Chase Claypool as a, as mm, a rookie yes. and you're outlining this, like sometimes it's all about the opportunity and Chase Claypool is athletic. I, he's probably not very good at football, but he, he, he is, he, we saw the athleticism, right? Big, big, strong, fast is what he was. Uh, but kind of looks like Tarzan plays like Jane is what we've learned about uh, Chase Claypool, I think. But dude, rookie season didn't matter. Double digit touchdowns because you're out there, you're athletic. They didn't really have anybody else, right? I think that was that was Juju when Juju started the the you know descent into what he is now, right? And they just didn't didn't have much, and they had the corpse of Big Ben, and they they really weren't that good of a team, you know. And so like, yep, I don't see why that can't be Michael Wilson. It's a classic thing where Claypool had 873 yards as a rookie, uh, scores nine touchdowns, and it's awesome. Then the following year, his 860 yards only scores two touchdowns. and he scored it's 11 touchdowns. You're not counting the rushing ones? Yeah, the rushing. Oh, he scored 11 touchdowns. Oh, yeah. my bad. I shorted him. Okay, so 11 touchdowns as a uh, as a rookie. So obviously that's a huge difference, 11 to 2. But, you know, touchdowns are somewhat, you know, they're very high variance. But you know the other thing is that the price changed a ton. So it's like <laughs> from from free you get eleven touchdowns versus you're paying for it and you don't get the touchdowns. It really hurts. But I, yeah, Claypool's a great one. We're like Claypool's a bust. Like he's a bust now. I think we can say, and he still was was a huge impact player as a rookie. Hey, I mean he might not be a bust. He might be fine. He's probably a bust. I, I'm willing to give him this year. I'm willing to give him this year, but I don't have a lot of confidence that he's that he's everywhere. You don't do what he did as a rookie and then fall out of favor that badly. I understand like, you know, Mike Tomlin, Tomlin can be a little boomer-esque, whatever. Um, but like they tolerated Antonio Brown and Big Ben and Le'Veon Bell for a long time and they couldn't tolerate this dude. <laughs> they had to ship him out, you know, and granted they got a second round pick. I would have shipped him out too, but like, I don't know. And now he's in Chicago. They and might love again. him. And they, they might love him, and they shipped him out for that second round pick. I mean, that's that was yes. amazing. Yes, the Bears kind of gifted him that one, but I, I I don't have a lot of confidence in in Chase Claypool. But that uh, one of my guys who from this dynasty lens has has me interested in uh, this same thought process as not quite as Michael Wilson because I don't think he's going to be starting day one. May never start, but it's like Tyler Scott. Right. So you think about that. And like from a dynasty lens, the draft capital was okay. I think he was kind of a fun prospect, not anything amazing, but he is an absolute burner. Uh, probably already one of the fastest dudes in the NFL. He's certainly going to make the team. So, you know, if you have dead roster spot issues, you don't have that with someone like Tyler Scott and the guys holding him up are this chase Claypool, who we are pretty sure sucks. And Darnell Mooney, who we're pretty sure is like kind of just a guy whatever yeah. right and so like you think about that you're like hmm 
Zay Flowers is probably never going to be right. He's never going to be that home run, most likely. Like he's never going to be Odell Beckham or Jamar Chase or somebody like that. I'm not saying Tyler Scott is either, but again, in a best ball lens, like I don't know, this young guy with decent draft capital with nothing really in front of him. You want to talk about free? At least Michael Wilson gets drafted occasionally. There are whether you like Tyler Scott or not, there are tons of those guys out there, like all across all positions that just don't get drafted. And like, yeah. there's probably reason to believe like probably because in dynasty people are scooping Tyler Scott in dynasty leagues, but best ball. It's like, no, yeah, they gotta are. have got to give me the veterans right in the 18th round. And I, I don't know that that's necessarily always right. No, I, I prefer to go with, I I'm probably more or, or yeah. Less risk averse with those eight. Like I'm fine eating some zeros. I know there's been a lot of research on like not doing that, but uh, you know, I, I mean, Tutu is my 18th round guy right yes. now. But like Deontay Hardy is is another one. We we talked. I don't a lot think you're risking rookies. zeros there. I mean, he's a he's just going to be a special teams player. He'll be out there. Yeah, good for good for him. Uh, just need the return the, re, need those return touchdown points. I mean, it feels yeah. like it feels like the the obvious one that uh, that we're missing talking about these rookies though is. Bijan Robinson. I mean, Bijan Robinson, I think there's like a pretty good argument he ends up being the highest scoring player in fantasy. Like I, I see it pretty clearly. Like he's so good. The offense is so efficient at running. All you really have to do is squint and give him like 60 receptions instead of 40. And it's pretty there. Yeah, I'm uh I'm working on the legendary running back article right now, um, which is gonna be completely free at legendaryupside.com. So sign up. Um and it's kind of nuts how like hard it is to not give him over 300 carries. <laughs> when I'm just like, I don't, it I don't know how you'd have to, you'd have to put him in a 50, 50 timeshare with Algier yep. and yeah. Patterson, I guess. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so we're starting there. And then he's a, he's a good receiving prospect. So, I mean, I, I don't think we have to stop at 60, frankly. Like I think he could, we could be like, getting up into the seventies or even like the 80. I'm just giving the slappies, the slappies who don't like him like a little bit of credit. That's all. Yeah. But his, his legendary season was, as I like go through, you know, I've tried to like envision what these, what the legendary outcome looks like for these guys. And the harder one with him is figuring out how to make it suck. Cause I also go through and I do like, he stays healthy, but he's a silent killer. Or what does that look like? I'm like, in his silent killer scenarios, he has 272 carries. Yeah. <laughs> like this, it's very difficult. And then, you know, you're looking at him yeah. from a dynasty perspective, comparing him to guys like Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor. And like, he looks every bit the prospect of those guys to me. Like, I, and I think he was a better prospect than Zeke. I think Zeke's one of the more overrated prospects of the last few years. Um, but he's, uh, you know, I think firmly a better prospect than Zeke. He's really. To me, Saquon was kind of the the top level prospect, and I think at this point, Bijan looks like a better prospect than Zeke. Although it's he's better at that point with the ball in his hands than anyone I think I've ever seen in my life. Like, so Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb are that in the like, you just can't tackle me like physicality type of a way. Bijan is that in it. Like, did you? Yeah, I'm sure you guys watched. You know, the first game that that he got to play. The, the little like, it wasn't a jump cut. It's it, he yeah. does shit that people don't. Yeah, do. I don't know. Like, what normally, that is. it's a teleportation. Yeah, normally you would jump cut that right. The runner gets in the hole. You got the safety screaming down. You have to jump cut to like. Brees was wowing people doing that with like jump cuts in the hole and stuff like that because he's really shifty like that. 
you know, in a, in a phone booth or whatever. Bijan does it. And you're like, you have to keep rewinding. Like how did his body move like that <laughs> when he's going forward at full speed? And he just like, he did it every game in, at Texas. Like he was in a, like a borderline timeshare with Roshan Johnson and like just crushed every single game was not tackleable. I, 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 I did projections for them and did everything I could to make him look shitty and give Algier a bunch of stuff because I want to, I want it to mm -hmm. be like not biased and me thinking that he's a superstar or whatever. And like you said, he still comes out like as one of the top running backs in fantasy, giving him like 55% of the work <laughs> in this, in this backfield because there's so much work. He's so good. And the offense is so efficient. It's like, I don't know how to lose with him other than injury, uh, you know, type of a thing. And I can see losing with Eckler, in a lot of ways that don't involve injury, right? Same thing with Saquon or whatever. I can see losing with those guys. Bijan is in a is in kind of that CMC category that like, I don't know, man. They like they just got to get hurt. Like that's the only way I can see it. Yeah. And I think Dynasty helps with that too because, you know, I've built teams that were, you know, like a coming off a championship and you you put together a couple of veteran running backs to run it back and it just falls apart in hmm. such a disastrous way and you're like what have I done? So I think like dynasty really helps you understanding floor and ceiling cases where like Bijan is, you know, he seems like now generally we, we don't get legendary seasons from rookie running backs. Saquon's the only one uh, since 2000. Um, but the guy looks exactly like Saquon and they're about to use the shit out of him. So I think he does strike me. Maybe, maybe we're year early on Bijan, but Doug, Doug guy, Martin wasn't a legendary season. Two thousand yards, I don't think so. Touchdowns. I think he came just just short. Um, I, I used a pretty high threshold for it. Twenty three. Well, if Zeke didn't even get there, it's a high threshold for sure. By yeah. the way, guys, I'm I'm super sorry. The two weeks in Ireland made me completely forget how time zones work. Yeah, so I was gonna I say I, I knew thirty Eastern that. time was twelve thirty Pacific time, and it's eleven thirty <laughs> Pacific time. So I I was like I like logged in and I was like I'm gonna go to the Streamyard fifteen minutes early, and then I saw the messages, <laughs> and then I did the quick little minus three, and I was like fuck. Yeah, <laughs> that enough. Far far be it for me to correct someone's uh, time zones. <laughs> yeah sorry jacob um, uh you came in during a a, a, a bijan rap so you're you're coming in at the right time to talk about uh uh but i i am actually interested in in uh you guys take generally about bijan because i think we just like plopped him in somewhere in the first round where like everybody you people don't want to take him in front of eckler because eckler was the rb1 last year right if people i was a real man i would take him ahead of eckler i don't think i quite have the <laughs> I might do it. I might do it in a main event, honestly. Like if like, I like just because I want it. I don't. I'll only do like. Five I just had of those. to talk the guys into the main That's... event in, into Bijan. We had the choice between Bijan and Garrett Wilson, and I was like, we literally get out of oh, my okay. face. Yeah. I, thank on. you, we, man. We, I was we, like, we, literally. You know what happened? We've, we've jumped the shark. I was just gonna say with the Garrett. Uh, see, I have Garrett Wilson right there, but maybe I should change that. God, you know what happened is we got we took Bijan and then we got Garrett Wilson anyway. anyway. Which is why you take yeah. Bijan. There yeah. you go. I guess I guess my I think it's just the structural thing because like I've I've been really I, I think I need to rethink how I've been doing the first round because I've been just like I'm gonna be like four percent or less on all the three first round running backs because I just like like all the later running backs so much more. The wide receivers mm -hmm. die at like the middle of the second round. And so Bijan will just like kind of get sacrificed in the crew. But now I've found myself getting more Eckler 
because it started off as like I was like at zero percent Eckler, and then when I'd get to the one oh nine, and I like Bijan more, but Eckler would be there, and I'm like, I never get Eckler. I'll just take Eckler. But now I've like done that so many times that I think I actually have more Eckler than Bijan. So um, I think I've like galbrained myself into it. Yeah, the Wilson thing, like the Wilson versus Bijan stuff. I it's it's funny because I I had the I had that exact issue in a main or in a one of the what is it called now it used to be the football guys whatever the 350 dollars tournament fantasy is in pros, the ffbc think, yeah. fantasy pros yeah. fantasy pros there we go um yeah i had that decision at the 109 where i was like wide receiver or Bijan, and then i took the wide receiver wide receiver and then i only got one running back to fall to me in the three four that i liked and i was like well now i wish i just had Bijan robinson because like jamal williams is my rb2 so uh <laughs> it's <laughs> I think I need to start forcing the issue more with Bijan for sure. Yeah, yeah. You, you level yourself when you when you don't just take Bijan because you'll still get a wide receiver you like in the second round on that turn. But pick, then, you but might then get... you'll never get another wide receiver you like. That's, then you only get the one wide receiver. No, in the fifth depends. round, on, it, if you're playing the main event, you're going to like who you're playing the, the fifth. Event, yeah, I, I guarantee it. I guarantee you're going to like whoever you yeah. – JSN. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, the well, I like – yeah. But that's like the you, only – you get Addison later. Like, it'll that's that's been the one difference in the main for sure. I think Bijan works better in that format. Um, like I, I'm only doing two mains and they're both in Vegas, but I've been doing the three fifties, and I still don't love the wide receivers in that range. But I guess I don't know. Maybe you guys like them more. I like JSN, but I'm not like a big Godwin person. No, um, so that doesn't excite me. Uh, I, I like Deontay Johnson, but he doesn't one, excite me. One secret, one secret hack just while we're talking the main event is take a second tight end you like. And then if you're really feeling gross, you can be like, yeah, well, but then I can just start Luke Musgrave and flex and like <laughs> he'll get, you know, like that is, that is like a very secret hack about. That's about the doing starring the week 17 like a boomer. of the main event. That's the starring week 17. I've drafted, I've drafted some pretty boomer main event teams in, in my day because, because it is a format, like obviously the ideal this it used to be more possible when we all started doing them. Like when I started doing them five years ago, it was more possible to just take seven insane wide like you like Sean's yeah. whole thing, like, oh I want I want six wide receivers all who can be in the top fifteen. It's just really hard to do that now. One, because the high end right. wide receivers have separated themselves so much, but also because the rooms are less stubborn. You know, you you like you don't have, uh, I don't know, Damian Pierce five years ago would have been a third round pick in the FFPC main event. Yeah. You know, but they're just not doing that now. Agree. I'm, I mean, the piece that I was writing while you guys were recording, and I didn't know what time it was, um, <laughs> is, is literally called um, the Dead Zone Running Backs of Fantasy's Information Age, uh, which is like, which is basically just all about like the way that we've entirely changed these running backs. And I'm, I'm going to go deep into four guys like, uh, Ken Walker, J.K. Dobbins, Travis Etienne, and Najee Harris, and comparing and contrasting like the reasons why each of them are faded and why some of those reasons are better than other reasons. Um, but sort of this culmination of how fantasy content has changed and how it's affected the different player archetypes um, and certainly uh, come in for some of that of a dynasty lens. I, I came on half an hour late and then derailed your show um, from whatever you're talking about. So deep we're just, apologies. We're just, what we're just vibing. It's no worries. If, if you ever listen to Pat and I, uh, uh, ch- th- there is no derailment. It just r- rambles on for about two and a half hours usually. And, so it kind of uh, just stops. Without, it just eventually just, that, we just, yeah, we just hit the yeah. end recording button. Of it. When we warn uh, you, we don't stop. When we say yes. we're winding up, we don't stop. <laughs> yeah. then to, we'll wrap, be... to, yeah, wrap to wrap here. Yeah. Uh, 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 I just want to add one thing on like the Bijan thing that I, so 
I actually have very little Bijan like in best ball mania, which I do think this is also an important, like you mentioned, like understanding the draft landscape, like understanding who you like later, understanding all that, understanding your competition and everything. Uh, I haven't done any main events. I am going to do a couple. Uh, so I don't have like a strong take there, but I would compare it a little bit to like underdog versus DraftKings. And so people would say, well, the, the, the scoring is very clearly much better for the wide receivers on DraftKings, right? And, and Christian McCaffrey probably. Bijan, we'll see. And those early running backs, we'll see. But the like you are being gifted wide receivers later in draft. Like you can take yeah. a bunch of detours on DraftKings and still get like Rashad Bateman as your wide receiver six or seven or so. Like it's yeah. absolutely insane. So I'm like, I, like I know I'm going to get good wide receivers on this team, no matter what I do. Like I'll take Bijan and and Tony Pollard, and I still get you know really good wide receivers, and I might get an elite tight end or you know. And so just knowing the like to me draft, I always try to like make sure and call out DraftKings because even though I would naturally rather draft wide receivers there, I end up getting more Bijan Pollard, Saquon, those guys on there because the room is just going to give me a loaded wide receiver room no matter what I do. If totally were, agree with you. Like the three guys that I draft way more on DraftKings that aren't really necessarily format fits are, are Bijan, Travis Etienne, J.K. Dobbins, because they're all the guys that go in rounds where I feel like I need a receiver and underdog. But on DraftKings, you you get an extra freebie detour for sure. Right. If we were going to go and um, draft like against the softest home league in North America, someone had picked that out. Right. We're coming in. We're like full blown one ringers here where the, where the shark would come in. I would take a running back earlier than I normally would. Right. Cause I'm like, I take Bijan because totally. Bijan's going to be Bijan. And then I can go just like beat the room constantly with value, 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 value. But like, what can't you do? Uh, what, you know, it's going to be harder to find a guy who's like the best running back prospect maybe ever, who's going to get fed work um, right away. You know, like that that profile isn't just available there's, under cover. There's not really there's not really an arbitrage right. Bijan I mean, play. No, right. No. It's no. like you Bijan is a great example, but like I think I've drafted Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews in my home league like every single year. Cause I, I just have such yeah. little respect for my compatriots that I'm just like I really could just like to fill tight end here right off the top and then mm-hmm. like we'll we'll get our wide receivers. Yeah, exactly. What can't you arbitrage, you know? And and that would be another great example of it's you can't really arbitrage uh, Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey if they're healthy and, and doing what we think they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, I, I completely agree with on DraftKings. Like for one, somehow like J.K. Dobbins goes even later. Uh, Travis Etienne goes super late on because like the end of the fourth on DraftKings. So you can get these guys even later. And then uh, I also just, yeah, I think I can get better values so I can be a little looser. But on underdog, I've had to play it a little tighter and I end up with less. Also, hope early. you're not I, trying to. I, I have not been playing it loosely with J.K. Dobbins on Underdog, but um, I'm no. I should have been. I don't know. I'm overweight on Underdog now after not getting a ton early on. So yeah, I'm, I don't think you're Jacob like, overweight. I'm at 23. percent So Woo! no, I'm only at 11. percent But it's all the cheap stuff. Yeah. Is that even more than you, Eric? Because I know you like Dobbins a lot. Um, I haven't. Uh, I haven't updated my uh, uh, like draft IQ and everything, and I've mostly been on DraftKings. I will make a pretty much a stone guarantee. I have more than 23% JK Dobbins on DraftKings because wow. when I first started drafting on DraftKings, which was really only a couple of weeks ago, his ADP was 80, 
six right. or something like that. Oh, yeah. And it was no, like, okay, yeah. I'm literally drafting on here to draft JK. Like that's why I'm here right. is to get to take it. So that's cheating a little bit. Now <clears throat> he's risen. He's still way underpriced for me, but now Brees is readily available in the fifth yeah, round. I'm, I'm drafting on drafting oh, right goodness. now to get Brees Hall. That's that's what's happening. I can't get him in the fifth because I take him in the fourth. It's a real yeah, problem. <laughs> you're the Come only on, reason Pat. his ADP is not like 55. I know. I need to just take him in the yeah. fourth. But who do I, I take? Who do I take in the fourth? Who are you guys taking in the fourth round? I'm like, I'm there's not even anyone I could remotely prefer like, here to bring. Well, I like, like Christian Travis Watson. Etienne. Yeah, Etienne. Great. Uh, oh, Etienne. Drake no, I, London, I'm taking Etienne. Yeah, but he goes later in DraftKings. Drake London goes in the fifth on DraftKings, so you're just reaching anyway. All those wide receivers go in and, and Brees now. It's like all those guys that have been fourth round, sta- like our third and fourth round staples on underdog are fifth round picks on DraftKings. And yes. like Kirk and Nuke and all those guys go ahead. Of, it's very peculiar yeah, ADP, it's that range on draft. I just take Brees and then I'm like, oh, this draft I get McLaurin. And then the next draft I get London. And it's like, then I get Ayuk. And it's like, all right, whatever. Like, I don't care. I got to check out DraftKings because I had just started going into DraftKings. And then I went to Ireland and I was in best ball slows, like, or sorry, underdog slows, like throughout. So I like had my, my feet on the pulse, but uh, I've not done a DraftKings draft since I've been back. I've been back for 12 hours and have already done <laughs> four underdog best ball mania drafts because um, I like had the shakes coming off the tarmac, but, uh, <laughs> but DK DK's for this evening. I think. Yeah. I'll be doing some DK. Maybe I'll see you in there. Can we talk yeah. uh, just a, a slight little pivot? I want to talk about some of the olds and like maybe the inverse. Oh, yeah. a, lot do... of, the, the, a lot of, go ahead, Pat. Oh, I just, I think let's, let's talk a little bit more of the rookies. Cause I do think it's, it's uh we might as well close out the conversation. Yeah, um, let's sure. do that, and then come back to the olds because it's not very fun to talk about all these guys yeah. who are actually underpriced because they're because they're old. But also, it is like it's very very interesting because I think we have the Michael Wilson, and not just it doesn't have to be all rookies either. But there's a lot of guys I think that I, I'm also treating like a, some of these guys as rookies. So like a Calvin Austin, I've started to mix in in the mm. in like the the last round. He's he's a second year player, but he didn't play at all last year just like youth players that like are not blocked by something or or they could be blocked by something like garrett wilson was and we just get a discount on an elite prospect or whatever who's jumping out to you guys like kind of in that in that bucket of rookie or young player right now well what's jumping out at me is the most interesting guy in that bucket is christian watson because he is a great example of a prospect that was super questionable super raw even the sample we did get of him in the NFL, like I think people do sort of have this memory of him. Like, Oh, he just scored 40 points every single week. Right. Like (laughs) he just only scored touchdowns. I mean, he played in 14 games. He saw 66 targets. That is not a particularly good target earning (laughs) profile. He was out targeted by Romeo Dobbs and Robert Tunyon. Randall Cobb got 50 targets in 13 games. That's crazy. It is just crazy. That that happened. I guess just all like all of that is crazy, but Randall Cobb getting 50 <laughs> targets at age 33 is nuts. And the other thing, I mean, it's just someone said this to me, and I, I really wish I remember who, but they said they said he he could just be Green Bay Packers, Chase Claypool, who we just talked about earlier. You've and said it to me, so I'm gonna I've been like thinking it's your you came up you, with this. You, we gotta track oh, I've had fly people on Twitter saying that for months. Uh, like Okay, yeah, like it's just yeah. out there. It's out there in the ether. It's like a pretty good combination because Watson scored. It was all it was all touchdowns. They and and weirdly enough, two of them were rushing the same way two of Chase Claypool's were were rushing. Um, <laughs> Seems like a red flag. Actually. I, think <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good. I think it's a good comp, but I think that the people making the comp like 
don't actually understand. They they don't know what they're saying. I think a lot of people are like, he's just scored a lot of touchdowns. Like I've seen people be like, make like Watson, Gabe Davis comps. Like that doesn't really hold out. But people do forget that Chase Claypool, similar to Christian Watson, also had like fantastic targets per outrun um, peripherals going on in, in year one. It's, it's I, mostly I totally agree the, with your point, though, like your larger point, Davis. That it's mostly the fact that Dobbs was so, like Dobbs contributed earlier, and then Watson's big breakout didn't happen until Dobbs got injured. In fact, the game that Dobbs played one snap against the Lions was, I believe, the Christian Watson. No, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. It was the next game that the it was it was Watson's first touchdown, I believe, but. The breakout game didn't happen until after, but the fact that the, the the breakout for Watson did not happen until Dobbs got injured is that's like from a from like if I'm evaluating Christian Watson as a dynasty guy, like do I want to trade a future first for this guy, which is what he would cost to acquire in most formats right now? I think the answer is probably no. Like Watson is not the profile guy I'm super interested in buying, but I also very aware. I could just be wrong. Like Watson could be a guy like actually this buying window is cheap and he actually is a second round pick next year. Well, I love the Christian Watson thing that you brought up and I, I go even broader. I think this is like the biggest example of where dynasty kicks in. Like I heard your show, uh, Davis tr- truly the best podcast of the entire year was your, your live streamed, uh, draft with Liam truly. and Kyle. And, uh, the like discussion of like what's the difference between Chris Olave and Christian Watson anyway um, was like me like walking down a pier in Galway and screaming like they're way better than he is um, and and, and which, I think which it's Kyle that, like, defended you got to give Kyle yes yeah well I I like screamed it at like a random stranger on the street and then Kyle <laughs> said it and I was like thanks Kyle and then they were like who's Kyle um, <laughs> anyway uh, I think it's like that. That idea where players come into the NFL, and I think for people who don't play Dynasty, or, or especially if they don't play like Devi, or, or really pay a whole lot of attention to the prospecting sphere generally, people have their preconceived notions and then really wipe those clean. And sometimes you'll even see people, yeah, not in this, not in this room, but you'll see on Twitter sometimes like almost chastised where something will happen, like sometimes even just in the preseason, and it'll be like. You know, like you better, uh, better not keep such a tight hold on your priors. Cause like this guy's a starter or like this guy's the RB five on the depth chart or whatever. And it's like, you're supposed to almost forget everything. And it's all this new information. Like this Michael Wilson stuff is like a, an example. Oh my God. If you, <laughs> if, if I was to, okay. If you were to put, what is the state of 2023 preseason discourse in one picture, it's a Nathan Yonke tweet with Michael Wilson, three rocket ships above an image that says Michael Wilson, 14 snaps, eight routes, zero targets. That is the state <laughs> of 2023 fantasy Twitter. I mean, you're not wrong, Guilty. but on the same end, I'm going to draft this shit out of Michael Wilson. <laughs> I'm drafting so much Michael Wilson, Jacob. Oh, my God. Rocket ships, zero targets, rocket ship emoji. Um, okay, Michael Wilson doesn't matter. It doesn't cost anything. A great example right. of this well, that's, to me, that, that and I'm going to get pushback. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get pushback from, I think, some people. But, like, James Cook is a really great example to me of a player who, on the surface, looks like he's going to get all the work. He's the RB1 as the pass catching archetype profile and is steaming 
absolutely steaming up the draft boards right now. And I've seen people say, what's the difference between James Cook and Jameer Gibbs, for example. And I think that the dynasty mindset, whether it be, you know, incorrect or correct, who knows? We'll see how this plays out this season. But like, I'm definitely the person standing in the street, like with my stop sign out to the James Cook hype. I've gotten up to the point where I think that he was a good pick where he was going, which I previously did not think. I don't think he's a good pick where he's going currently. And and I think my take in that basically is the long view. Like I can't dispute anything that we're seeing currently. Like, yes, if he gets the role that it seems like he might from the preseason usage, he could potentially be a smash. He has a lot of the skill sets we want in fantasy. My long view take on the matter is just this guy didn't play as a high volume rusher or high volume snap getter, or even a high volume receiver at any point in his career. It's not just that he's small. It's that he didn't have this profile. People with this profile don't tend to be massive, massive hits right away at running back. And if he ever does work up to that, it's probably going to take him a couple of years to adjust and start to gradually gain more and more volume. Like we've seen with a guy like a Tony Pollard, for instance, How much who does also he weigh? never had this volume profile. Like 190? He weighs like one. No, he's, a, he's more than that. He's, I think he's 199. I think that's right. But for me with Cook, it's not even just about the weight. Like, I'm my concern more with cook is that he's just never been used in this way. And I think it's like a really thin scenario for a player who was never used as a true every down back or even an every receiving down back. Like he was a change of pace receiving back at Georgia, but he wasn't like a Jameer Gibbs where he split time in the rushing work, but he was getting all of the passing work for him to then all of a sudden become this snap dominating back in year two in the NFL off of that, I think is really unlikely. So to me, nice. that's where. Uh, oh, one! Oh, well. I'm seeing 190 there. So I have 11, 190. Official Bills website. I wanted to make okay. sure. I was... Well, that's a that's small. That's not great. Uh, uh, they <laughs> thought he came in so, heavier than that. He, I thought he, he came in at 199. He was he, at you, the combine. You guys know. You guys know who that is number was the, something. All right. The best at at banging this drum. There are many things that Hayden Winks is great at, but he is so consistent and so often with this, and he just posted this. Uh, 20 minutes ago. Uh, for reference, the uh, the best rookie season amongst running backs, and I guess he's not a rookie, but the best rookie season for running backs under 205 pounds since 2010. There's been four guys who bettered 200 PPR points. Like it, it's very hard early in their careers for smaller running backs to score a lot of fantasy points because teams take them off at the goal line. I mean, I think probably my guess would be week one. It's first and goal from the two-yard line. Oldest running back in the NFL, Latavius Murray's getting that carry. I mean, just just prepare yourself <laughs> yeah. for that right now. Yeah, I think it's well, also I mean, like it, it, it's important to try to you know it's it's good to have a prior on these guys because to your point, like there's it's the fantasy industry does not is not very like um it's it's not it's going to push you around if you don't have a prior. Because it's going to be, it's very loud. It's noisy in there. You're going to feel like you're. It's all very discombobulating if you don't have some kind of before everything gets real loud. And if you're drafting whoever gets tweeted about that week, it's going to be. It's it's like hard, you know. It's hard, yeah. Or whoever just gets brought up on a podcast, right? Like, there's sort of a. It's very difficult to like synthesize all this information if you don't have like some kind of prior on these guys. And I think Dynasty helps a lot in that sense. But with Cook, like. When you look at his profile coming in, he's this undersized back. 
Uh, he's a pretty good breakaway runner. Doesn't necessarily like he's going to be like all that good of a tackle breaker, which makes sense given the size. But then even as a receiver, he didn't profile as one of these ultra elite receivers the way that uh, Alvin Kamara did or Christian McCaffrey did. He profiled as like very good uh, in terms of like yards per out run and efficiency, but he didn't run that many routes per game, which kind of goes to the, some of the lack of workhorse stuff that Jake was referencing there. So like the prior coming in says this guy projects like he could be a pretty good NFL weapon, but maybe not ever going to be someone we think of as elite. And then as a rookie, he was not good in success rate for NFL next gen, which is another thing that I think we should probably like assume coming in with a smaller back like this. He's not going to be necessarily like great between the tackles runner. I've actually seen some stuff on Twitter where people are pointing out he's like kind of not doing that well still. Um, small sample size preseason stuff. But. Well, he just made a ridiculous run in that preseason game where he like he went full DeAndre Swift and he had like an easy path to get one yard for the first down and he like made a jump cut like six yards backwards. And that that's concerning because like that's the type of stuff where it's like the coaches are annoyed and they pull him out in short yard situations because he's not doing what he's supposed to do. And that's those short yard situations are some of those valuable valuable carries in all of fantasy. So the fact that Latavius is there and uh, Harris is there, and they're basically like the Spider-Man meme, but they're <laughs> they are gonna such be... the Spider-Man meme. Yeah, but they're going to be there. You know, they're Spider-Man memeing at the goal line, which is not good for James Cook. Right. So I I agree. Like he's someone that's going to be kind of buzzy, and someone that's you know I would say maybe someone you would be happy to have in Dynasty right now. Um, maybe it's a sell high situation there, but I don't know that I'm chasing this up uh, in best ball. I, I'm overweight on James Cook, both on DraftKings and on Underdog, but I think I may end up even with the field because I think I'm sending out this last part. My question is, yeah, do you think that... receiving yards. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, do you think that the ceiling... So if you're going to chase the guy up, right, how I a lot of the times like to think about it is like, I better be chasing something that is going to win me $3 million because I know I'm getting, in, I'm getting my money in bad on this guy. And that can be okay, Right, because if the guy is the guy, well, Cook like, can definitely do that because yeah, he can. can def- he, he's on he the can definitely. He can definitely score three touchdowns in yeah. in a game in the three week sprint. Like no doubt about it to me. But technically, yeah. I, I think he has a weekly it. ceiling. Yeah, yeah. It, like technically, I could say that also about his teammates that they could score three touchdowns in the in that game. Too. So like, sure. I, I'm just trying to think think it through. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I would agree that maybe chasing his steam is better than chasing Damian Pierce's steam of last season. But I'm trying to figure right. There's there's some kind of push pull on is that is the juice worth the squeeze if I'm going to chase this guy up there? Like, you know what I mean? Right. Well, what's interesting with Cook? So Pat mentioned uh, his yards per route run. You know, I always look in my prospecting stuff, I look at a mix of yards per route run and market share receiving yards because I think that gives you somewhat of a uh, combination of how is this guy on a per route basis? And then is this a guy who is a central component of their receiving offense, both as like an efficiency play but and as an outlet on passing downs? He was like 7.5% best season. That's pretty mediocre. Um, and then just to translate that idea, like early in the offseason, the initial stretch of really positive James Cook Bills buzz were articles saying things like the Bills lead running back won't look like most teams lead running backs because they don't need that much from the running back position. So James Cook will be the lead back. That's because they only need someone to take not that many carries and they will not need somebody to take that many snaps. And that was like at that point treated as really bullish news for Cook. 
where it was like they view the running back position differently than other teams. So Cook can do what they need them to do. <laughs> and at around 880p, it was like, yeah, that works. Yeah. And then now we've gotten confirmation that like the bill, the beat reporters were like seemingly correct in that assertion, at least of what the plan is, which is for James Cook to be the lead back. But you go back to that quote, and it's like, if you're if people are taking him in round five and round six, which is like happening in FFPC and FFC drafts, like I, I don't know, and I, it's going to be happening in best ball. I, I think that's going to yeah. lead its way into the best ball world too. Right. Like now, it's like actually you do need him to be a normal running back. Like you you can't have him be like the lead running back for like because the Bills don't use running backs for me. Like he, he better be a real running back if you're drafting him in round five. Like. Can he pay off a round five price tag if he like stays healthy and has the right spike weeks and he has this role? Sure. But if you're drafting him round five, like you better hope he has like round one, two type upside, I think, to justify picking a player in round five. Uh, and I, I would say just like the long view on James Cook and not just James Cook, but on like running backs generally with his type of profile from a utilization size combination perspective would just suggest that it's a really, really thin bet. I think that is right. Yep. I want to just talking just really quickly. You were just talking about how you don't want to take Bijan Robinson or Austin Eckler in the first round because of, you know, the, the guys that are available later, the wide receiver issues or, or whatever. Now James cook is going in a very similar tier to Brees hall and Josh Jacobs and Ramondre Stevenson and Travis E.T. Like the, the price gap used to be, pretty freaking wide right when those guys all went at the two three turn and james cook went in the eighth round we're talking drastically different prices yeah. all those guys are falling well, right? he might literally like, go ahead of jk dobbins yeah he, I, he, yeah, he, he does his you guys ADP did it, right on the yeah. you guys on the what was it the silver bullet pete silver bullet you guys had that had that exact choice and took cook right oh did we god <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know what yeah. I'm, you know what my vote was. <laughs> no, in fairness, I do recall the conversation, and I think that was a that was a Pete Gratch, but um, but still, like it's it, it is literally happening. I mean, I have like two percent Ken Walker because of these structural concerns, and like I, I have issues with Ken Walker, but I think that's like a way better bet than James Cook personally. If I'm if I'm betting on like yeah, I've been in on Ken Walker in the fifth. I think he's young okay. player in rounds five and round six like i i have if, if you're if you're to be like name to name normal sized running backs with massive college workloads who were able to get over some success rate issues and add more pass catching in year two like i could name a lot of those running backs like it's it's not i, I don't think ken walker is like a super likely bet to be massive hit but to me it's like a really easy picture to paint where like we're in week four and it's like Oh, like his success rate's fine now because he got better in his yeah. second year in the NFL. And he's still and super he fast. Two balls a game, and he is scoring 18 points per game. And Zach Charbonnet is carrying Gatorade because Pete Carroll takes 78 running backs in the second round. He doesn't use any of them anyway. <laughs> he's on Pro Thice Island or whatever. Like, I hope that doesn't happen because I don't have that much Ken Walker and I have a lot of Charbonnet. But like, if we're talking about James Cook in that group, like, like Ken Walker is like a way more fun talent bet to me. Can we talk uh, JSN, who you oh, talked yeah. about guys who are blocked, guys who are blocked. And this has been, I think, one of the oh, yeah. one of the lessons, right, from – and I think the market has done a better job with JSN than in, in years past with, you know, guy who's blocked. We, we can't draft him that high. Sort of. 
Sort of. Uh, I think they have. I mean, just price-wise, like C.D. Lamb was in this position, and C.D. Lamb was like a seventh-round pick, early seventh-round pick. Garrett Wilson was an 11th-round pick last year. Garrett Wilson was an 11th-round pick last year. He was behind Braxton Berrios. Can't draft him. He does go Um, where Chase – he does go about, you know, where Chase was going. So – and I – think he's i think jsn is a better prospect than most of these other guys but I, that's bias I'm, I'm fully admitting that uh i just got a hard on for jsn so i, I but, but I if will, jsn uh, if jsn and quentin johnson switch landing spots like jsn would be going in the third i think or i was gonna say third round yeah yeah or even if he was on the vikings like i think if you yeah. switch with addison then people would just be like what's the difference between him and devonta smith really or t higgins yeah. Be like, yeah 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 and i would be like I think that it's he's that he he's the better player. That's he's better. <laughs> yeah, and then we'd really have some spicy JSN takes. But it, it, I mean, right now we just get to go. Oh, he's going to earn targets at the end of the season. Let's take him in the end right. of the fifth. The, um, yeah, the fact to, that he fell to like to the say 20th. He's better than Devontae Smith. <laughs> yeah, like the fact he fell to the twentieth pick went to like objectively a pretty not awesome landing spot and is still going in the fifth round. I think like does speak to the dynastification of best ball for sure. Yes. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, we almost need JSN to fail so that like we can get that ninth round Garrett Wilson again because this is this is definitely the market we, is we have, definitely we have priced him up. The, we have crossed the Rubicon as long as there's one as long as there's one rookie wide receiver hit per year, um, it's it's over. And in fact, if JSN, I mean, really, if JSN is the guy you need in the three week sprint. Like it's it's over, buddy. It's Martin it's Harrison's like, going in the first fucking round. If, yes, uh, JSN yeah. is the, is that hit? Yeah. Well, I, you know, we talk about opportunity a lot. Like I'm often sort of critical of opportunity based arguments, and yet here we just talked before Jake we got on to push back uh, Michael Wilson's opportunity, you know, and how he's he's going to have opportunity. But that's one two things there. One, he's going in the very last rounds of the draft, where I think we do care a bit more about opportunity. Two, he is a rookie. And so the fact that he's going to have opportunity right away is nice, but we also feel pretty confident that he's going to continue to play over the course of the season and, and potentially see more targets and, you know, get better and actually have more volume, you know, more targets, maybe not that high a bar since he's getting zero right now, but you know, <laughs> the, the actual end of season opportunity will be even better, even if there is early season opportunity. And JSN is just such a perfect example of that. It's like, hey, we really, really do care about the end-of-season opportunity, right? Like, if we were going to project out, that's it's more difficult to project out the end-of-season opportunity than week one. But we also have this thing in our back pocket, which is that rookies consistently produce more as the season goes on relative to the veterans who start falling off. And so you're getting the ascending profile. And so, like, I don't know. I mean, it still feels, even at this elevated price, JSN still feels like a huge potential edge in these tournaments because you get you get to bet on a really talented guy who's likely to see his highest target share games in the weeks where the money is actually being awarded. Mm-hmm. Also, also, I mean, I think. Uh, go ahead, Jacob. No, you can go. I was just going to say the, the the other thing is that's an assumption that he's just not a star out of the gate. He has outs to just being a, like that does like it's not all. I mean, I think we've I think we've seen from his preseason usage that he's going to have more like week one usage than like Justin Jefferson, for example. Like yeah. sometimes you he, get Jamar Chase and sometimes you get right Odell Beckham, who the moment he stepped foot on an NFL field was just a superstar. 
sometimes you get Amon Ra, but sometimes these dudes are just awesome. And like, look, DK Metcalf is great. DK Metcalf is 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 a you know, a beast of a man, but he's a little bit of a specific archetype of a wide receiver, right? He's not doing the Deontay Johnson get open two yards down the field type of a thing. And Tyler Lockett is a very good NFL real life player, but if JSN is Jamar Chase, Tyler Lockett is not prohibiting JSN from being awesome in week one. You know what I mean? That's type. And so like you have you have the outs to what Pat said, which is like almost feels like a slam dunk, but you also have the outs to like, I don't know. He's just awesome. I don't care if he's in the slot, if he's getting open and getting targeted constantly. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care that he's not run blocking in two wide receiver sets. Like, I don't care about any of that. If he's a superstar, like that, I, why does all that, like, we're really worried about projectable volume, like to that level. Like, I, you know, I get it at a certain point, worry about it, volume is- but it does matter, but it matters most in the end of the season. So it's like, right. guess what? The projectable volume concerns like they get less and less and less and in in some ways like you know who's probably gonna play a lot at the end of the season the seahawks first round wide receiver like he's probably gonna play a lot at the very end of the season like that actually is a pretty safe bet you know when you when you zoom out totally i mean i and i i my only pushback is like i actually don't think that if he fails it will change that much and like david was talking about crossing the rubicon i think the biggest like my biggest takeaway on it is that like the fact that shows like this exist, I think is like forever changing how we are doing our fantasy drafting, just in the sense that I don't think people actually shift their, what views on fantasy they're receptive to that much year to year. Like I I had to have this like, like come to Jesus moment in like the airport last night where I'm like (laughs) seeing people being like, Every year, people hype up these backup running backs, but like Najee Harris is still going to see 300 carries. And I'm like, how do like how do people like look at like we're drafting Tony Pollard in the first round? Like we're literally doing that. Like Khalil Herbert's a starting running back. Like Ramondre Stevens is starting running back. Like like people are mocking like the hyping up of the backup running backs who are all starting running backs right now. Like these are all the guys who got hyped up correctly. But like the people even who Rashad White who didn't going- quite pay off last year is now starting running back. Right. And then like, on the other hand, like, so I'm, you know, I'm making fun of the, the, the Zeke people who are now the Najee people who will one day be the whoever else people, but like on the other side of that spectrum, well, they're going to be the Damian Pierce people next year when he's going in the third round. I actually think Damian Pierce is good. Well, certainly anyway, wife, well, eventually I, I, they're going to be the Ramondre people in three years. They might, <laughs> buddy, buddy, I, I hate to say this, but the call might be coming from inside the house. They might be the Ramondre people right now. Yes. Yeah. They might be. They might be. <laughs> okay. I've uh, off. Um, but on the I have not pulled off. We we could get into Ramondre if you want, but um, on the other side of that spectrum, like not just throwing stones at that side of the house, like, but I mentioned this I think on our Dynasty podcast before, but it was like we're never going back because Trey Lance was the most colossally bad Dynasty investment of like the last decade. And then we're still drafting Anthony Richardson right where we drafted Trey Lance. (laughs) So can I push back on the Trey Lance thing? Because I got out, man. You could get out. You can get out of Trey. Now I got out some sure. I'm I'm not saying like every single micro transaction, but I'm saying like if theoretically you like bought the top, like you you rode basically to zero, like without even like being able to like see him play games. Like that that was like horrendous like we got the zero percentile outcome and people are still signing up for it again with Richardson I think it's just a matter of like 
there is way more optionality for content to consume. There's way more optionality for formats to play. And it's allowing people who have always been predisposed towards an approach to fantasy football that isn't based more on, have we seen it already, snap chairs, projectable volume, et cetera. They have more avenues to play formats that reward it, like best ball, where you get to focus on the end of the season, like Dynasty, where you get to hold these players for forever. They get to focus on content from Substacks and from different independent podcasts and discords. Like the market has responded to a group of fantasy player that has clearly always been there. But now they're in this reciprocal feedback loop where they're just going to continue finding each other. And you have people that are now understanding the thesis of the play, so to speak, such that I think if JSN fails, like the people who were drafting JSN at this point, like they, they understood the bet. And if it fails, they're going to still try to make that bet later. And yeah. the people who weren't drafting JSN still won't. But like, I don't think there's that many like persuadable voters, so to speak. Like, I think it's just a matter of like people yeah, finding I agree. outlets for what they already want to do. And we're just going to keep having this dichotomy. I was American just being politics. nostalgic when I said when I said we needed him to fail. We don't want him to fail. I mean, first of all, he's like my highest. I draft. really don't yeah, want him to fail. Don't I even just drafted him in the seven ten in a high stakes draft. Yeah, we don't want him to fail. We definitely don't want him to fail. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was I think I was just being nostalgic for the days for the days of twenty twenty two when you, you know get Garrett Wilson in the ninth. Jake, yeah, those are the days. Jacob, you know who and getting Jalen Rager, you know, in the fifteenth. Those are the days. Uh, the Alexander Madison jumped out to me when you were going through the like the people. You know, you still see a little bit of the that Madison so, is the slappy pick. He's the slappy pick now. But isn't it so funny that, like you said, those people, the people who probably are love Alexander Madison this year, right. thought he was terrible. Right. Like, why would you draft this backup running back? He's never going to do anything when Dalvin Cook is there or whatever. And you're now literally see we, we are literally seeing why you took Alexander Madison in the 12th round, because when you remove Dalvin Cook from the situation, you get this guy that is a way better projected pick. Right. And I would argue that old Alexander Madison would go a lot high. Like if, if we didn't have oh, everything absolutely. that you just talked about in the industry, this was the third round. No, this guy would be right there with the Jacobs and the Ramondres and all that. Cause he would look, go I mean, where Kenyon he has more, in 2020. He has more yep. projectable volume than Najee. He has more projected. Yeah, right. His backups yeah. are way worse than Najee Harris's backup. And we don't have any evidence of those guys stealing work from him. He I mean, projects I mean, for more work. Than Najee Kenyon Harris, Drake but he goes... was a late first round re- best ball pick oh, the first year the underdog launched to the site. He went in the first round, right? Like that's hard. like we play an entirely different fantasy football game. Him and Josh Jacobs both, later. right? At the one at the one two turn that year, right. I think it was. Yeah, those but jo- Josh Jacobs was like entering his second year in the NFL. He was a first round pick, but like like the idea of a Kenyon Drake like four game stretch at the end of the season after being literally Kenyon Drake and then being a first round pick like that will just never happen again. Right. Like Tony Pollard is going later today than Kenyon Drake went. <laughs> like it's just, it is wild. Yeah. I mean, Kenyon Drake is almost like, I don't know. Khalil Herbert's probably the best comp for him yeah. or something. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's actually crazy. It's truly. Khalil Herbert's got into the eighth and I'm like, Hmm. Well, <laughs> it seems a little odd for me. I wanted to shout out a piece as a as a when we get done with that as a like talking James Cook, Damian Pierce, Khalil Herbert, these running backs that are shooting way up the boards that it's kind of projectable volume based. Like it's not that they're not good. I think that these guys are all pretty good, uh, all three of them. But like 
I'm not sure anything has tangibly changed for Khalil Herbert, but he goes two or three rounds before because all the evidence is right. He's the starter. This ties into, I think I want to talk Herbert, but I also want to talk Rashad White, who uh, Jacob wrote a piece on. And I think it's, it perfectly goes to this discussion of we now have a different price on this guy. So it's like, is he the starter? Can he hold the job all year? How good is he even? Is he a complete back? Does he have some major flaws? We are used to these questions being pretty easy to answer, which is that like, yeah, there's enough issues where I don't have to think about this guy. And now the prices are, are lower enough um, where you have to think through the the bets a little bit more. And it, I, I was, I thought your white piece was really interesting because you kind of came to different conclusions on best ball versus dynasty. Yeah. I mean, the white piece, it was a, it was a weird piece to write because if you're, if you find yourself reading it for most of it, I'm like white sucks at this. He also sucked at this. I think his prospect profile was overrated. He was really bad at this. I think the packs are going to be terrible and he's going to be terrible. Anyway, I'm drafting him slightly above the market. Um, <laughs> like that was mostly the piece. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> like it, it it went into this thing where like yeah it's 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 not like he I, I think like very little of Rashad White but he he goes in round eight and that is like the bare minimum price and basically what I came to is like all of the like talent questions all the environment questions are fully priced in and so like to me the really the only decision left to make is like do I think that it's more likely that he's either better than we think or at least better than I think I think you think he's better than I do. Um, but better than I think. Bucks are I think I think I he's think. a chance to be better than you. I think he could maybe, in the same way Walker, it's like maybe he figures some shit out. But Right. So, like, yeah, what, what I end up with left with is like, okay, like all of these like white specific micro concerns are priced in in a way they just like would never have been a few years ago because more people are paying attention to this stuff. And so now it's just the chances that those concerns are wrong versus yeah, the chances everyone's, that you lose everyone's the job a fucking, to TBD back. Everyone's a fucking nerd now. I mean, that's really the, that's really the issue with the game. Is everyone's just a, everyone's just like monitoring their like oh, I got to monitor my exposures. I'm a little bit overexposed to to Marvin Mims. definitely coming from you know? inside the house on this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is literally the house. This is the call center. This is, the, this is the call center. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, which is fine, but it's like the <laughs> It's harder, man. It's harder. And we do these podcasts for free. I mean, all of us have uh, ways that you can pay for our content stuff, but by and large, you can sort of get the gist of of what very serious people who are thinking about this stuff all the time, like you can get it for free. You know, it's not it's not like poker where uh, or, or DFS where you have to have access to really sophisticated tools and people uh, like in best ball and in fantasy football managed even honestly more so than best ball you you actually can teach a man to fish you know like you, like you can whereas I, I like i could sit down with brian hooper for an hour and he could be like this is how i make a living playing dfs and i'd be like i ain't doing that shit i'm just you know i'm not i'm not doing that you know it's too much too much work for me but in best ball if you if you consume good content and you're like a above you know bell curve iq type person like you're slightly right side not even full right side like you probably are drafting pretty plus ev teams semi right side seems like a good good name for a new site semi right side some semi right side belt maybe when i whenever i decide to make a site that's what it'll be it'll be it'll be uh 104 iq that like that's it (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Pat's, Pat's planning for the next. Are you planning for your next site already? Slide after, to the right. Or, 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 How about that? Slide to the right.com. There you slide, slide right. That slide I feel right. like that. You were watching uh, too much of uh, uh, the porn earlier. The slide <laughs> to the right, I feel like, has a... I think, I think oh, slide no. to the right is... Oh, geez. I was going to say okay. slide to the right is actually Vivek Ramaswamy's slogan. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for the... I'm here for... Uh, I've actually descended into, into uh, left side of the bell curve drafting the last, like, four days because I'm just doing so many that I don't have like using the brain power needed to draft all good teams. I don't have. So I'm like, I'm, I'm on, I'm on the clock at pick 165. Adam Thielen is the first name at the top of the queue. And uh, Donovan Peoples Jones is at the bottom of my screen. I'm not clicking any names there in between Luke Musgrave. Come on down. Like I'm just <laughs> clicking. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Well, so that's, I mean, I guess it's kind of circling back, but like Musgrave one is one of those guys where it's like, he's, he's now shifting though from a Michael Wilson to a, like, you kind of almost need him to be something. Now, yeah, don't, like, don't go look at, don't go look at his college stats. If you've been chasing about the draft boards, <laughs> by the way, yeah, for real. Well, Musgrave is, is a really weird player. Cause I feel like I've been talking out of both sides of my mouth on him the whole off season where like in the lead up to the draft, I was like, yeah, I don't really know about this Luke Musgrave prospect profile. But then, as always with tight ends, I'm always like, but we don't really know anything about tight ends, and he's athletic, so sure. And then That's he, like, the true there. 160 IQ, is to make all these points about a tight end and then say, yeah, I don't know, a tight end's pretty random. Eric Ebron was one of the eighth overall pick. Like, anything can happen. Like, that's right. really the, the, full, the full circle. And then, like, the draft happened, and I remember, like, I posted, like, my rankings, like, just the night after, like, before I had any idea what rookie ADP was going to be. And my first reaction was going to be, like, fade Musgrave because he was actually not that good of a prospect. He's kind of overrated. Take Tucker Craft. Like, he's going to be, like, way cheaper, better production profile. And then, like, ADP came out. And then, like, a few, like, a week later, I was like, oh, actually, like, that's super priced in. The market, like, doesn't care at all about Luke Musgrave. He's going, like, the mid-third and rookie drafts that I think you should just take him and craft and like every single rookie draft because like they're they're both like really undervalued and then like then i was like very in on mark musgrave i think he's like my second most drafted rookie uh in dynasty season and then we come around to basketball season and i was pretty into musgrave because it's like yeah he's rookies free and yeah now i'm kind of the guy where i'm like four or five rounds higher than michael mayer like for for luke musgrave like seems weird um but also, he's, he's I, not blocked, also I kind of just want to keep clicking him. Like, I, yeah. like, I see that 100% snap rate. Yeah. And I'm like, it's actually fine, I guess. I know. I kind of think it's mostly fine. But I, I almost want him to get to a certain point where I can be like, this is dumb. But I, in between then, I would like to like get a little bit more. Because I was a little bit too skeptical Same. of him early on. I think on. Once, once he gets up to be equal with Laporta, that's when I will I, that's when wipe I'm my that's, that's when I will wipe my yeah. hands clean. But I'm but I'm taking him like I'm still willing to take him over Laporta right now because I'm at like 16% Laporta. But I think I'm only like 4% Musgrave, and that that just feels bad. The yeah. problem with Musgrave was there was like yeah, eight tight ends that all went in round 18 <laughs> that I wanted 10% of. So like Wait, what do you how have? Do you get them all. Well, all, all those, say, I, uh, uh, no, I told Jacob just have fun staying poor with 4%. Oh, 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 oh. Um, no. I, I heard 24, and that's why I was like, no, well, shit, I if I keep drafting, I mean, who knows? By the time <laughs> I get done, by the time I get done with these slow puppies, we might we might be there. Uh, no, I took your tip, Davis. I, I now every draft that I went in the last day, I star Luke Musgrave before every I even started. Draft, I star Gainwell, 
Michael Wilson, Musgrave, and Tutu Atwell. And then I'm like, I know my last Mike, four picks. My last four. Michael picks Wilson are, is about to be to me what Van Jefferson is to Ben. Like <laughs> he's going to be a guy where it's like you you truly gain nothing from fading him because his opportunity cost is zero every single year. But he just like irks you so much that you feel the need to like articulate the fade nonetheless. <laughs> and and I'm I'm just gonna like be angry about Michael Wilson for like no real reason. For the hey man, I'm really telling you, it's it's fun to just change your mind. It's fun to just go. It you is because I was I was drafting Greg Dorch unironically like a month ago, and now we're we've completely moved no. I on. draft Michael it. Wilson. I'm just not gonna admit it or talk about it or be happy talk about, about it. it but it's I'm, a good time. I'm taking him. It's a good time. I don't Suck. think He's I could. I, I don't know why I'm pretending like I could. I could not pick Michael Wilson out of a lineup. I don't. I've no. I, I no, like... no idea what he looks like. Yeah. No idea. What he looks I'm like. not even convinced he's real. Like it's not a real name. <laughs> no. Every, not... every every video you that see... you see of the Cardinal facility looks fake. Like it it looks like a. Disney well, they don't have. They don't those... have beat writers. They don't Do have beat writers. They don't. Drink commercials. <laughs> Like if you see a commercial for a sports drink, they'll like show like a team playing sports, but they don't yeah. have real logos. They're just like rolling around in like some like vaguely like NFL team looking uniform <laughs> with like blank helmets. Like that's just what I think of when I think of the Cardinals. If you like if you Google like royal, royalty beverage. free football images, then Michael <laughs> yes. Wilson will come up. Yeah, it was the it was the Gotham football team in Dark Knight Rises where uh, you know they got Big Ben and Heinz Ward and the field collapses, you know, and all that. That's that's the Arizona that's the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, side note: Speaking of that, did you did you ever read the stories about the Cardinals and like how big of a just a piece of shit franchise that they yes. are? So you know, these players get all this free shit, right? And like, I mean, some of the players are talking Arizona. about how like no. I don't like I don't ever leave the facility because they have you know they got sleep pods and they got yeah every hyperbaric chambers and, and you get all this blood. Or a clubhouse for free price. yeah these motherfuckers had to like pay for hot dogs at <laughs> at training camp and stuff like, that was the game were... with the the unbelievable uh, the royals used to have a, a pop machine that you had to pay for and then they got Just... they got they got shamed for it and well, they... that's like the scene in moneyball when david justice is like trying to get the, the yes. machine yes. the it's machine, literally and, it's and literally brad pitt the comes ball. down and he's like they're paying you 10 million dollars not to play for them shut up and drink your seven up or whatever it is <laughs> uh i had i had a point i was gonna make uh, uh, can we talk about the rookie probably... tight ends can we talk about all the rookie, yeah. the rookie tight ends? Yeah, and yeah. Then, like, Michael, also... Michael Mayer is the greatest example of this, where he's JSN, but at a tight end, where yeah. he was mocked he was mocked in the first round. He's blocked by Austin Hooper right now. Yeah. Everyone's out on him. Like You can get him in the 18th I, I round every draft. End. Now, this is such a micro thing, but his bye week is terrible for the teams you want to take him on. It's because, so true. Because he, has, he shares a yep. bye week with Mark Andrews, uh, he's the Waller. perfect fit with. He's like a perfect fit with Mark Andrews, right? And, and Waller, and, and Waller, yeah. And, yeah. and I know you guys aren't into him, but Cole Komet as well. And there's an and Hawkinson and Hawkinson as well. Um, so just like t- tight ends, like top yeah. fifteen tight ends, he shares a bye week with four of them. So a lot of the times, I, I, I have you guys done this? Have you guys done a Laporta Musgrave Meyer tight end room yet? On Underdog? I haven't, but I but I now will. <laughs> You do it, and you're like, like, I'm not getting a tight end point until week four, but when they start coming, (laughs) they are going to be so good. Yeah, you're not getting a tight end point until week four, but there's like three other teams in your league that are also not getting this point, and they they don't know And they drafted a bunch of tight ends. The thing is, like, when you... 
the thing is, when you draft Luke Musgrave as your tight end two behind Kyle Pitts, you think that you're getting one every week starter and one guy who might run more routes as the season progresses. You just don't know in which order. You just order don't you're know which one. Yeah. I, I you, just, you just didn't realize that you drafted the 50% route rate in round six and you drafted the 90% route rate in round 16. I have to, I'll come clean here yeah. because we're almost 90 minutes into this show. I take a lot of Kyle Pitts teams with three tight ends. Because oh, I, I, I sharp, that's yeah. that's me complic- complicitly admitting like I, that he's probably not going to score enough points. Like I probably got to do something about that. You don't want to be, be burned if he does. If he does come through, so you want to get some, but you also are fully he's, admitting he like, is my I most drafted tight end. I think. I think. I think. Sponsored by players, Trojan condoms. <laughs> I think we jumped. No, the I think it's on fine. Kyle Pitts hatred. I think. I think Kittle, Goddard, and Pitts. It's totally fine to take three tight end. Not, I would say, make sure the other two are cheap. But like, you're taking three tight ends because you're going. This guy is going to give me like two of the best weeks of my whole season. But I might need some ten pointers. Yeah, I might yeah. need some ten pointers in there. I mean, yeah. I think it's totally fine to take three tight ends just generally because the tight ends in round eighteen project better than the wide receivers. So like, and, I just yes. I think it's totally fine to just be like. This team is a two six eight two, but actually it's a two six seven three. And yes. Luke Musgrave is my wide receiver yeah. eight. Like Luke, right. like Michael Meyer or Justin Ross. Like you know, Michael Meyer is going to score more <laughs> points than Justin Ross. It pains me to say it, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so yeah, the three rookie tight end room. That is right. like, that's You guys are. Account. Like the fact that you guys are fucking pumped to take Michael Wilson because he's going to run eighty percent of the routes on the worst team ever assembled since like the AFL merger. Like that's just all of the tight ends available in round eighteen. Like they're just they're all just like a bunch of Michael Wilsons. Sorry, I didn't know he was on the Buccaneers. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's Trey Palmer, who I'm also I'm also now taking in round eighteen. Who's going to do nothing on a shitty offense? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm. Debating, but I'm debating whether or not to make you guys a Trey Palmer clip tonight. But um, with I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, songs. I'm not depraved enough to take Trey Palmer yet. But I'm like one good camp clip and two more hype stories from Bruce. Arians I've taken Trey Palmer. Yeah. I, I have 30% Trey Palmer in Dynasty, and it's like every time in my uh, like in our Ballproof Dynasty Discord, I keep all post my exposures. People kept being like, "What's your take on Trey Palmer?" And I'd be like, "One time, I was like texting with Ben the day before the draft, and he was like." sending me like a couple Trey Palmer YouTube clips. And I was like, that's enough for me to take 30% in the last round of my rookie drafts. <laughs> and if that comes through, God bless Trey Palmer. Very fast. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I think he's a totally viable one, but yeah, like all those tight ends are, are like going to play like Hunter Henry is free. Like Jelani Woods is going to run like Jelani Woods is going to score more points than Josh Downs this year. And, and he's no, drafted in the no, same range. He's, he's actually not Josh Downs. Is, no, Cause um, Josh Downs is not going to catch any touchdowns and the Colts aren't going to throw any passes. What if, close well, close your eyes. Jelani Woods close your touchdowns. eyes. It's week 17. The Raiders <laughs> are down to like their fifth and sixth corners. They're indoors. Jimmy G and Anthony Richardson are just trading haymakers in a game that means nothing for either buddy, team. Buddy, 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 buddy. Ain't no Ain't no Jimmy G, what's happening? AOC, AOC <laughs> is playing in that no, game. If you went to Aiden O'Connell, <laughs> no, you, you, you would have started to listen. Yeah, yeah. I just can see Josh I, I Downs. You when you said Jimmy G. I just can see Josh Downs in in his you know his Colts Blues just racing down the turf at Lucas Oil Stadium. No one, no one in frame with him as as Scott Hansen. You know, gives us his pithy little bit. Jarrett Stidham puts his helmet back on. He was recently <laughs> traded a third round pick, so Josh McDaniels would get him back. <laughs> Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer's in the game. Brian Hoyer. <laughs> yeah. 
I will not be good for all my Devontae Adams uh, and Taylor teams. Just real quick, Davis, I know you have to leave, leave uh, but <laughs> Jacob do. and Pat, I wouldn't mind covering a couple other things. Uh, sure. But after after Davis runs, if you guys still got a few minutes, but I did want to This is how give long Davis... the podcast is. We actually have to stagger our guests. I know. This is, we're literally staggering guests. But Davis, was there anything you wanted to hit before you wanted to go or any like, just any guys that have come out to you? Or of course, if you got something you want to... Uh, uh, you know, you got work. Coming well, out Deuce Vaughn, shows. Deuce Vaughn is the, is a great example of this where it's like, we all agree he's really talented, but this is the understanding what coaches are going to do with players, which is that if there was ever going to be a, if there was ever going to be a coach that was going to give Deuce Vaughn the requisite number of touches to be, to post a fantasy relevant season, it's not Brian Schottenheimer and Mike McCarthy. <laughs> I think, I think Deuce Vaughn will have like six insanely fun plays where he gains 20 yards out of nothing, but he is going to be like, remember Antoine Smith for the Falcons? He scored like five 50 yard touchdowns one year. I mean, this is, this is like, this is almost a decade ago, but it's, it's like that. Deuce Vaughn is, is not going to have a a super fantasy relevant role. Like he's going to be $4,200 on DraftKings and people will be like, oh, you can play him at 1%. And like, congrats. He scored a touchdown. You got nine points and you did not uh, pass go and collect the million dollars. Like he, He's going to do more than this guy, but he reminds you. Remember Trendon Holiday? Yes. The Olympic sprinter. Um, yes. 100%. He reminds me of the guy who, like you said, you you draft when you do your fantasy draft on Madden and you start your franchise, you always take Deuce Vaughn and you like you always took Trendon Holiday because he's fast as hell and awesome in the video game and you can use him and none of the actual real life football shit matters. And I think. You know, Deuce is a better version of that because he plays and he plays running back. You're, we're going to get some fun Deuce Vaughn plays this year, I think. Are we ever going to get? Are we ever going to get Deuce Vaughn in a fantasy role? That, yes, but like, it's going to it's going to necessitate it's going to necessitate a coaching change in Dallas. So Antoine yeah. Smith in 2014 for the yeah. Falcons had 23 rushing uh, attempts and wait, who's trading targets. for Deuce Vaughn? Chargers sent a seventh round pick in two years and just <laughs> and he just go. becomes like and he becomes yeah. Austin Eckler. Um, Austin all right, guys. Eckler, yeah. I'm out of here on the on the Deuce Vaughn will be Austin Eckler note. Uh, enjoy yourselves. <laughs> I'm just picturing very, that's a fucking mic drop. Leaving Deuce Vaughn <laughs> is the next Austin Eckler. I'm just uh, picturing Austin- Stephen Jones messaging the NFL Slack, being like, "At all Deuce yes. Vaughn OTB," and like not getting any replies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, I will say. <laughs> I called Calvin Austin the next Tyreek Hill the other day on on Pete's uh, show, and so I can't really say too much about Deuce Vaughn. I, I do think um, he's at least like interesting to bring up. Uh, obviously, talking through Dynasty and stuff, I, I'm willing to listen to other people. Um, and if you guys have a differing opinion, I've been like so staunchly against, especially on underdog Deuce Vaughn, and the fact that he's like. All routinely been drafted all year people are legitimately like drafting him thinking they're getting something out of him and like i said okay will he pop up for a couple touchdowns this year pro- pro- probably he's a really explosive fun little gadget player but like i feel like because he's fun and because he is explosive we're, we're we have like speaking of jumping the shark like he may he's gonna have to be in the return game i guess to be active on on game days i don't know what they're gonna do with rojo when he comes back from suspension but like rico dowdle you can hate him all you want. I don't think Rico Dowdle is good, right? The Cowboys believe Rico Dowdle is Tony Pollard's backup in the in the ways that matter. It doesn't mean that Deuce is never going to play. But Rico Dowdle, if something happens to Tony Pollard, who's playing third down and who's getting the goal line carries? Rico Dowdle. And like I don't, you know, we don't have to like it. 
but that it, right, it was like last year. We thought it was Chris Evans, but guess what? Ho hum, it's Samaj P. Ryan because the team just cares about what he does much. And frankly, we were just probably wrong about how good Chris Evans is and and how good P. Ryan is. But like Deuce Vaughn, it's just like I don't, especially in eighteen rounds. Like if you said in the twentieth round on DraftKings, okay, sure, whatever, like fine. But like in eighteen rounds and half point PPR, like I I've never once even considered drafting Deuce Vaughn, and I feel yeah, like um, that's I feel like the. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe just for fun, or if I'm I drunk or something. <laughs> yeah. No, I have I have not clicked his name. I, I've I've clicked. Uh, well, at first I was clicking Malik Davis, and then I yeah. hard pivoted to Rico. He's better clicked than Davis, I think. Right. He's definitely a better. No, I, I, I'm I not actually, sure Malik's going to make be on actually, the team when Rojo comes back. I mean, I don't think Rojo's going to make the team. Why does uh, have to catch strays on here? I wasn't going to I yeah, no. How do we get to it? Is objectively my, my funny is, I think that Rojo... Rojo and Deuce Rojo versus Deuce Vaughn is like a conversation a couple of years ago. We were like, How high should we draft you know Ron, yeah. Ronald Jones? And last year, like, oh my god, Rojo's on the Chiefs. Now we're debating him versus the smallest running back of all time. Versus Rico I'm, I'm thinking, of, I think, I mean, what I've mostly read is that they're only going to have three. So I think Malik gets caught, I doubt he gets claimed. And then he could go on practice squad. Back, yeah. And then I think Deuce will just be active on game days because the special teams. Rico is the actual backup. And then when Rojo comes back, then I think like as soon as he's no longer like placed on the suspended list, unless they've suffered an injury, I think it's probably it's night night for Ronald Jones. It might be the career. Might be the end. This might be the end. It's a it's a real bummer when coming back from a suspension is is when things get worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. We got we might see multiple of those when JMO comes back. When JMO comes back, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that's gonna go. Oh uh, my Ken, goodness. Ken, Kendrake, Kendrake, Kendrake comes back from the knee sprain and looks as good as ever. Mick Kamara could come back to a lesser role than everybody expected. I sprinkled yeah. when Ken when Kendra got hurt. There's another guy I would like to talk about Kendra a little bit, actually. Kendra was a guy I was really excited for. I think he's really talented, really explosive. Uh, I think some of the things that were potential gaps in his prospect profile at TCU were somewhat explainable in terms of that's kind of how they roll and that's kind of how they use some guys uh, in terms of like not a huge uh, pass catcher, but I think he can do it basically. It's kind of like a he's not as explosive in the run game maybe as Ken Walker, but it's kind of how I viewed the Ken Walker thing. Like I don't think he's completely physically incapable of catching a check down. You know what I mean? I just think that that's how it rolls. You know, college is it's just different. So anyway, well, um, but then, you know, I, I was I clicked Kamara a couple times when Kendra got hurt thinking, ah, shit, mm-hmm. maybe that's just going to end up a red shirt season for Kendra. And then shit, man, he comes back last night, looks <laughs> looks awesome, looks amazing in the passing game. I don't know if he you saw that so diving good. catch he made. What are you what are you thinking about? Like a guy like him who like, dude, he's his ADP is like 190 on DraftKings now. Like, he yeah, fell I hard. He fell hard. Man, I have been so back and forth on Kendra, but it's been a roller coaster. Like he's hurt, he's not hurt. Kamara suspended. He's suspended for less games than we thought. Like it's just they're signing Kareem Hunt. It's they're signing Daryl Williams. Uh, it's 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 just all over the place. I thought that I had like a really strong read on who Kendra was, um, and I thought that that was like a legitimate edge versus the market. And then I watched him run that wheel route. Uh, last night and changed everything for me. I was like, oh man, I, I it's it like I think sick. I've been underrating this guy. That was such a like not just the diving catch, but like he looked like legitimately natural running that route. So that was that was encouraging. My take on him had been like everything I do in my running back articles, um, I kind of divide the running game into like three 
different broadly defined categories. I talk about like the contact avoidance stage of rushing the ball, kind of your pre-contact behind the line, the contact evasion, so tackle breaking, and then your post-contact breakaway phase. And a lot of Kendra stuff, like he tends to be the type of running back coming out of college that I'm usually lower on than the market because his best stats are really concentrated in the tackle breaking phase of the game. And for as long as I've been doing running back stuff, I find that those running backs sometimes get overrated because you'll see backs that have like a fairly average or above average profile overall. And the metrics that people like to cite the most are the tackle breaking metrics. Yeah. David so Montgomery. People this say, is look the at David this guy. Montgomery. You pay full right. price it's for David broken Montgomery. Yeah. In, in so it's, but what'll happen is people will say like, look at this guy. Sure. He's average, but he's really good at this. So he's actually really good. And it's like, no, he's actually average in spite of that, which means he's bad at other things. Yeah. So like, this is like the, the really important shit for fantasy. He's bad at the really right. important stuff. So I've been calling this the Zach Moss corollary. Um, and to be clear, like I, because he was a big, he was, this was like as a prospect, like this was a big thing where everybody's like, who's missed tackle rate is missed tackle rate. And it's like, yeah, but he's still not efficient. So he must suck at everything other than this tackles. I think Kendry is like clearly better than that. Like he has more juice for sure. But I always get leery on those heavy tackle breaking. And then you look at the receiving and I agree with you. I don't think he's like a loss cause the receiver. Um, his yards per route run is fine. His market share receiving yards is terrible. And he didn't run that many routes per game. So to me, that was like, if at some point in his career, he ends up in a feature role, I think he could have okay receiving upside. My issue was like, is what are the chances he plays long down and distance snaps for the two minute drill this year? Probably close to 0%, mm-hmm. I figure, just because like he's a 20 year old rookie who has no like experience playing passing downs. But then you see this, like, it's interesting because like Jamal Williams is such a, contrast like in green bay he was he, he was like that's the maje p run where like he, he can play every situation he had like i think it was eight games over an 80 percent snap share in green bay he had totally acceptable yards per run figures i think he was like between 1.1 and 1.2 for a couple of years um and he could just kind of envelop whatever was left over whatever Aaron jones missed and in detroit it was totally the opposite his snap share in games without swift was like one percentage point different he had a 19% route participation for the year. He was so- solely a grinder back. And so at first I was like, I think maybe they gradually increased William's role. And then I was, I was like writing, like, what if they just use Eno Benjamin on third downs before Kamara comes back? Which and then were, I think like that they, they actually were going, were going, to. going to. I think yeah. that I was right. Cause like, then he gets, he went down, they bring in Kareem Hunt, then they signed Daryl Williams. Like, so I actually think we do kind of see Daryl Williams play third downs to start the season if he For makes three the weeks. team. Yeah. But I guess the question is like the way they're using Kendra, like maybe they think he can do this. It would be interesting to see. And that definitely makes me more interested in his upside because everything that they've signaled is that that's not Jamal. That's not how they envision Jamal. They're going to use him out of Detroit did. Uh, I, I was just going to add, thinking about it like the dynasty perspective. So this is, it, it didn't go awesome. But uh, uh, Pat got me – I mean, I was already on Javante Williams. Let's be totally clear about that. Mm-hmm. Last year, I love Javante Williams. I'm back on him again this year, by the way. Uh, at These dudes and these injury recoveries are out of – Brees is running 25 miles an hour. Javante Williams is like uh, – Shoulders are tough, though. Shoulders, yeah. shoulders are tough. Yeah, exactly. Shout out Dalvin. Uh, dude's shoulders made a putty and can't practice, and everybody's worried about Brees' injury. It's kind of 
uh, objectively hilarious. But so, <laughs> yeah. but, but so like, I like to, th- it's not quite a perfect thing for best ball because uh, like, you know, Pat, you kind of outlined at the very beginning, like we care about this year, right? Like, I don't really care what Zay Flowers becomes in five years. I don't really care what Michael Wilson becomes in five years because I care about this. I'm trying to win $3 million this year, right? But you can sometimes find these things where it's like, well, we know he's really good, but he's blocked by Melvin Gordon, right? And we really had no other. I mean, Melvin was clearly declining and everything, but we didn't really have a lot of indications. It was literally flat over from Melvin Gordon uh, last year, which it, you know, it clearly is. Kendra doesn't have quite that, but it's not too different. Okay. So Jamal Williams, we're not worried like from a dynasty perspective. And you said, okay, Kendra Miller with his, his production profile and his, his draft capital, he has nothing but Jamal Williams and an aging Alvin Kamara. Who's also suspended for the first three games of, of this season. So he's got three game runway to potentially do something and, and earn the role. And from a dynasty perspective, there's not a lot of these rookies right now, right? Like Charbonnet is blocked by Ken Walker. You know what I mean? He has to outperform him or Walker has mm-hmm. to go down, right? Most of these guys are blocked in like a really significant way, even like long-term, you know, obviously not Bijan, not Gibbs, but last shit Gibbs is like <laughs> locked into a, a specific role. He's yeah, not he's blocked, he's blocked, yeah. but he's like, he's blocked in a yeah. way. Like he can't become Bijan basically is, is, is what I'm saying. Right. But like Ken, if Kendra is good, right. He is not blocked in any real substantial way from a dynasty perspective. And so like, then I like roll that back and I'm like, obviously this season, the roadblocks are more significant than they are in dynasty. But if he has a path fairly soon to being that guy in new Orleans, like that's the thing where we're like, the market is just worried about the projectable volume. They're worried about these aging veterans. Those are the guys I want to be on. You know what I mean? And I feel like I, I actually, Part of it was the injury, but I got a little skittish. Uh, I, I was I was pretty. I've heavy been skittish on and not skittish. Yeah, yeah but I've I, had I, real I, yeah, it's been touch and go. And, yeah. and I'm not trying to overreact to the one really good preseason game, but also it sometimes those things can be reminders of just being like, right, okay, maybe I shouldn't have like really hopped out there for that stretch, and and I, I can be back right. in now that I know he's okay. Yeah. Right, the knee sprain is not I an think, issue. I think the skittishness for me was that I wasn't super sold. On, I mean, I, I liked the prospect, but I wasn't as juiced about him as a lot of the dynasty market. Like the dynasty market loves Kendry Miller. Like he's a big like um, like dynasty guy play. Dynasty rookie drafts, like it was him, A Chain, and Charbonnet were like a tier, like well ahead of the next year, which was like the Roshan Tank Bigsby group. <laughs> um, and I was kind of light on Kendry there. And then I remember looking at Beth Ball and I was like, he's the guy with the clearest path to me because the guys on his team suck. Like he can just do it without an injury. Right. And he's conventional size, but he's going later. So I was like, I'm really in, like, I'm just going to get all my exposure in seasonal and then the injury stuff. And then I've been like, but I'm not that convicted on this player, but the process. And then every time something bad happens, then he drops even more in price. And I'm like, Oh, I just got to get in. So I'm overall, I'm above the market and I'll stay above the market. Yeah. I'm at like 12% uh, on underdog. And I kind of wish I had more um, now that I don't feel skittish anymore, but uh, I may feel skittish in a week and be glad I don't have a ton. I'm at 18 18- no, I'm at twenty percent on DraftKings. Nice. Where he is even cheaper. So one ninety, man. I mean, he's rising back up now after the game last night and and everything. But when he got hurt, I mean, he just he plummeted to like the eighteenth round on on yeah. DraftKings, and it really made it it cozy there. I want to float one more guy who's also having an awesome uh, preseason, and I'm uh, I'm happy that he is not quite rising 
quite to the extent of some of these other guys. Like it is funny how these things happen, right? Tank Bigsby is getting all the hype and having a good preseason and boom, skyrockets up, right? Jalen Warren, good preseason, getting hype, boom, skyrockets up. Tajay Spears, from a dynasty perspective, is another guy. I actually drafted him yesterday in my dynasty league where it's not that different from uh, what we just talked about with Kendra. The big dog is not going to be a thing for that much longer. We don't know from a dynasty perspective when that will happen. But I also don't know. I'm not sure that we can fully say what the big dog is going to be this year off injuries and this insane workload, right? We talked about uh, these other guys. Like I didn't expect it was over for Melvin Gordon last year, right? I, I, I didn't see that coming. I was drafting Melvin Gordon in the 12th round or whatever last season. And sometimes it just goes. And so the timing of Jesus Christ, if there is no big dog, right? Tajay from a, a dynasty perspective in a year or two years, three years or whatever, you're like, oh baby, like that wheels up on, on that well, guy. And, and, and now again, in applying that to this season, it's like, uh, yeah, I'll pick 175 or whatever. Tajay seems pretty good to me. So th- this is a thing I think that the dynasty market sometimes gets wrong of that, like, you know, wow, like the, the road is going to be clear for this, you know, middling pass catching running back prospect with one ACL. Like the road will not be clear. Like he'll probably be Michael Carter and they'll bring in someone else immediately and he'll turn back into dust. And, and that's why, like, if Tajay Spears starts producing this year and you're like, Oh my God, I just, I, I did it. I hit a home run. Like I would recommend trading him yeah, uh, for, for right. profit. Um, like when that window opens up, maybe, you know, use the points if you need the points and then trade him after that. But I think in, in a weird way, Spears is the kind of guy who's like a young back who is actually a better seasonal bet than a dynasty bet especially if you're thinking about like holding, like it's a short-term bet is, is my point because Derrick Henry turns 30 in January. So, I mean, the dude is, has a lot of, he has not really shown a couple years ago, his rushing efficiency dropped, but he's held steady and his receiving efficiency has been really good. Mm-hmm. So still reason to believe that he can kind of do the Derrick Henry thing, get going and be an absolute nightmare to, to bring to the ground right mm-hmm. but he's gonna have to do that on a massive carry workload i don't see any reason to suspect the titans will shift away from kind of titans ball and so you're looking at maybe 22 23 carries per game you know the chances that we see 17 games from derrick henry don't strike me as all that high <laughs> so now you get a chance to take Tajay spears who wouldn't get the derrick henry workload but would be like a starting running back on a run first team and has pass catching ability. What happens to this guy who, again, does not have an ACL in one of his knees in a year from now is like, I have no idea. Maybe he's dust. Maybe it's just that nice three game stretch that we'll look back fondly on, but like that, that can win you a lot of money. And he's been someone that I've, I've like, I want to say in July, I was like, what are you doing, man? You're not being aggressive with this dude. Who's behind a running back Mm -hmm. is such an obvious spot where things could open up like contingency based right. play like this is the obvious trade risk with henry too yeah there's trade risk too That's i still think there's i still think there's like if i would say what is the most likely skill player to be traded in season in the nfl like derrick henry would be my my guess just because he like if the titans are a train wreck and i think they're less likely to be a train wreck post hopkins but i still think it's pretty possible uh like henry has the type of name value 
where I think a team would be willing to hand them a pick. And he's like a, a symbolic, like rebuild gesture for, for the Titans. Like it's, it's also, not, it's, not, it's not over 50%, but I think it's like still something. It's something you add to the injury. In dynasty, we talk about, you know, how it's sometimes easier to make these moves and you kind of talk yourself into like trading for a guy in season to kind of get over the hump or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if these NFL teams might be willing to do that too. Of like, Hey, we need to we need to make sure that we actually you know are, are showing the fans we're we're taking this seriously. We we unexpectedly have a shot. We're we're gonna get Derrick Henry, and it's like fanfare, you know. Where or maybe oh, the like, fans, if your team trades for Derrick Henry and like you have like middling running back play, the fans are gonna yeah, you're definitely gonna get the support of the fans. That is for sure. yeah. If you're like in the wild card hunt and your running game's like sputtering and you trade for Derrick Henry, like that is you just added another year to your your GM tenure. <laughs> yeah, that is that is definitely true. <laughs> the other thing that's really interesting. Yeah. So, what you said, like obviously, I stupidly became known for Darrington Evans, right? He was, he was one of my bit guys, but then exactly what you said, I was like, it's like, I had forgotten that at the beginning, like in mm-hmm. May, mm. like the, the thesis of Darrington Evans is now the thesis of Dijay Lives Spears. On. Like <laughs> it, it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's the it, same Tyson, number, don't they? Doesn't he wear 32? I, I believe, I believe they do both. They both had 32. <laughs> also, Darrington's still kicking around in, in, in preseason, soon to be professional YouTube streamer, I think, uh, Darrington, <laughs> but uh, still hanging on for a couple more weeks in the NFL. But I'm like, it was just kind of like shiny new toy. You know, the new draft cycle starts over. And we all got, you know, like I see Kendra and I see, you know, all you, you see all this shit going on. And then you start doing the drafts. And I got partway into it. And I'm like, I was drafting Darrington Evans on every team. You know, granted it was like 18th round versus whatever. Tajay is like a 14th, 15th round pick, but like tangibly who gives a shit about that difference. And I'm like, I was drafting Darrington Evans for this thesis on every single team until he rose to where I thought he should go. And I have taken none of this guy. Who's probably an even better bet. I know he doesn't have an ACL, but I think Tajay might be better than Darrington Evans, uh, certainly as a runner. And I'm like, what was I doing? And so he, to me, has been like yeah. more than Kendra, more than this, where I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're already making a big bet against Derrick Henry. Like, I don't really draft Derrick Henry. So why don't you right. like win when that bet comes? Like, actually win. Don't yeah. just like not lose. You win should twice. try to win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. win. The other last thing, remember like Dontrell Hilliard games? Remember like, uh, yeah. I'm trying uh, to think mm-hmm. of other. like Who's Derrick not Henry there, just, by the way. He's gone. Yeah, is, right. He's gone. D- Derrick Henry does not play every snap. Like Derrick Henry actually doesn't play particularly close to any snap. Jerry I know that Nichols, they, I believe, yeah, the yeah, name you're Nichols, looking for. Right. These other yeah. guys pop up. Like Dontrell Hilliard had multiple every games. single person that you're yeah. Jerry yes, Nichols, yeah. I love. <laughs> These Dontrell Hilliard was like a core part of my drafting strategy last year. And it was really fun yeah, when I took he had a fun couple of them and, and he had useful weeks. Yeah. Yeah. He had he helped me like advance teams and everything. And I'm just like, so why doesn't Ty J scoop up two or three usable weeks? even while Derrick Henry is there and then down the stretch, this is like the best pick in all of best ball, right? That Why am we path. taking Tyje Spears after Tyler Algier or Damian Harris or Elijah Mitchell yeah. at this point, but Tyler Algier is someone I'm actually still like totally fine taking. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous about those guys. Cause I'm like, are we sure that there are B twos? Mm-hmm. Um, but Algier, we know that we, I down to talk about those guys. Well, yeah. But I was I with Algier, like I know it's the RB two for sure. But at the end of the season, my bet is against Bijan Robinson. 
or Derrick Henry, which which sounds better, <laughs> you know? And like, yeah, yeah I've right. seen Algier. I know he's going to get more rushing work. He's a big dude. He can get used to the goal line. Like, I would prefer to bet on Tyler Algier than Tajay Spears as a, as a player. But, I mean, I would strongly prefer to bet against Derrick Henry in week 15, 16, 17, even though he plays the Texans twice. Davis is not here, so he would remind us that, that the schedule. <laughs> yeah, but Tajay must... plays the Texans twice. Tajay also plays, plays the Texans twice. Yeah. yeah. I think this is one of those things where, like, the market, okay, there's like two markets, I think, almost, right? Like kind of I was talking before, there's like the people that kind of draft the way we do. And then there's like other people who are in our drafts. And like the other people who are in our drafts are going to be like more predisposed to thinking Tajay is the backup and not looking beyond that. Because I just don't think that they go like that into the minutia of like, this guy's the long down and distance back. And this guy's the short down and distance back. Right. But then also those people are going to be less inclined to like trust a rookie running back. Whereas the people who were like really into the minutia, but more inclined to trust a rookie running back, like very much me were like, yeah, this guy's probably has like a reasonable standalone role, like the Dontrell Hilliard role, but he's kind of undersized. And like, what if Hassan Haskins or Julius Chestnut is like actually the early down handcuff. And that was kind of like, you had these two different concerns from two different groups of drafters that both kept his ADP stationary. And then I think that the first level concern, like that, is he actually the handcuff? I think that's no longer a concern. Like, I think we now know pretty definitively, right, like he is yeah. the handcuff. Um, and I think the reason why his ADP hasn't jumped up massively is because the other people that were less likely to draft him already assumed he was the handcuff. So they're not reacting to anything new. Um, and then we should probably react to that and draft him like way higher. Yeah, yeah I, should. I should probably move him like substantially up my ranks. I, I moved him up substantially in my ranks. I'm only at 9% on underdog. Thankfully, I'm at 17 on DraftKings, <laughs> where he's both cheaper and a better play for the PPR thing. But mm-hmm. he's he's someone like I'm I've continued, I don't know why this is, but I've had to continually remind myself that Taji Spears has a shitload of upside. And I think maybe it's the knee you know, and, and the worry there and just like, and that he's a smaller passing down back kind from, of archetype to lane from yeah. two lane. He profiled, like he really popped in my rookie running Dude, back model he is electric. He is super explosive. He is, but all of his comps were like Duke Johnson and Deandre he was Washington. 17 Deandre Wash. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's all the guys like I've missed on in the past that like, I were like, Oh, if you just give this guy a chance and the NFL teams were like, yep. fuck you for even wanting to get it. Never will. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I mean? So I'm just like kind of a little bit beaten down, I think on this particular archetype, but like, God, it's maybe this time it'll work. I don't know. This so, is one I'm, of those where I, I, I love talking to you guys about these kinds of players because you guys do, you know, a, a shit ton more in depth and sophisticated and just frankly intelligent, you know, prospect modeling and diving into all that. And I'm just like, uh, you know, uh, played him in college football DFS. He goes, burr, you know, give me that guy. <laughs> but like your track record on that's pretty good, though. But like but I do yeah. feel like like generally speaking, when you watch when you end up like watching a bunch of two lane because you're gambling on it or whatever, you know, it was like, like, I, I feel like the hit rate on the guys who stand out as outliers in that regard. Right. It's not like I watched him. And so like Deuce Vaughn, like I played Deuce Vaughn more than Tajay Spears in college football DFS because Deuce Vaughn got the ball 25 fucking times a game at Kansas State. It's the big 12. You know, he was their leading receiver. Right. It, it was a cheat code. But I'm not really like but I, I watched how explosive he is. I'm not a moron, but I'm not like really bullish on it. But then you watch Tajay and you're just like, 
holy shit, man. Like uh, this dude is like, is, is as electric as Deuce Vaughn is a little bit bigger. So at least there's, there's, you know, something there. I actually kind of think he's a better, even like, like big play runner than Deuce, Deuce is more. I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, it, I think it's part like our mind plays tricks on us when the dude is five foot five and 170 he's pounds. Cohen, right. Yeah. He, yes, exactly. Like he's, he's very yeah. much jitterbug. Like, and Tajay yeah. is very, uh, but Tajay is like electric in like the, I don't want to comp him to this, but like the way Bijan is electric, like it's smooth, it's explosive, whatever. He's not like, you know, stopping on dimes necessarily. And like you said, jitterbugging guys like Tariq Cohen is jitterbug. Tony. Yeah, I mean, the move that jitterbug, he, that he did know? in that run up the middle was similar to kind of the Bijan mistack mm-hmm. where it's sort of like, just like moves his leg out of the way and keeps going. Yeah. Which I, so I get stylistically it, what you're saying. It helps because he doesn't have, that's he does that because yeah. maybe Bijan doesn't have ACLs. Have we checked into yeah. that? That's why they're they're both doing that because there's no ACLs in there. That's the only reason they can defy logic. But anyway, Taijay was one of those guys for me, right? It was like you you stumble into these guys who you're like, I think they're better. I, I just think that they're better. Is the hit rate gonna be awesome? Of course, of of course not. But it had like you said, I comp it from like my process it's not positionally but it was like bailey zappy i was like i don't really like mac jones i don't think mac jones is very good and like we were like thinking through like how do we take darts on superflex guys i was like i don't know i think this bailey zappy dude's actually kind of kind of like good he certainly seems like a patriot mm-hmm. in terms of like the point guard distributor type thing i'm like i don't know mac jones is the roadblock and i think bailey zappy is good right and it's like Tajay, same thing i'm like i don't know i think this dude is good and derrick henry is the roadblock like that seems pretty good to me as a as a bet you know yeah i mean i think spears you know he's i think he's like a way better best ball pick than a dynasty pick just like yeah. he's i like he that fit the archetype of yeah. like every and i think he will be for his entire career like i, I think he right he is he fits like this archetype just so perfectly of like dynasty running back that you should trade for a two years out first round pick the second that you get that chance just because he ran a four five nine and he's 203 pounds he like has an okay pass catching profile but not on a ton of routes like he looks so like Devin Singletary Michael Carter CEHE like this kind of tweener back that is just they're always useful to NFL teams they like have long NFL careers he'll be on rosters he'll be used in the game like he'll never just be a straight handcuff he'll have a role but like he, he's like a quintessential guy where it's like he'll start for a month and then they'll bring in another back the next season. Chase Edmonds if, would, would come Jeff, to mind. Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Like, cause he's not like, cause the problem is, yeah, like he's, he's small <clears throat> and he's very good, but he doesn't really have like that trump card trait that small running backs usually need yeah. to become actual like RB1s in fantasy. Like they either need to be usually really fast or they need to be elite pass catchers or they need to be like just really outlier like volume runners. And I don't think Spears is any of that, but I think he's like definitely an NFL player. And I think he'll perpetually be a guy who you want to have on zero RB teams. Like Kenny Gainwell would be like an example of a guy where it's like, I don't think Kenny Gainwell will ever be a difference making dynasty asset. We'll be drafting Kenny Gainwell in best ball for another four years. Like I I think he's going to continue to be like a relevant player. I actually think sometimes these guys get overvalued or sorry, undervalued in dynasty. Like Zach Charbonnet, when he landed with the Seahawks, everyone's like, oh, I was like, no, no, no. Like you will be drafting Zach Charbonnet every year in redraft for the next four years. You will. And you're never going to want Zach Charbonnet from me in March, you know, and you're going to laugh when I try to trade him for a rookie pick right before the draft. 
but you're gonna i'm gonna trade him to you one of these octobers i am <laughs> you know or maybe even in august maybe <laughs> yeah. even in one of these august <laughs> but oh, I, sure. I like it i like it because you should know when you're starting zach charbonnet right yeah. it's like should be pretty right. goddamn clear when you're starting when you're starting zach charbonnet and when that situation comes through when you are starting him you know uh ken walker in week two blows out his knee right um and so charbonnet is going to look amazing kind of like ken walker did coming into this year right chris carson goes away ken walker goes away so now you have zach charbonnet are, are you going to get you know an unbelievable dynasty asset for him no no because ken walker does still exist right but like there is going to be a potential window to if you want to get out from him Right. It's not going to be like, oh, my God, the sky's falling. Trey Lance, please, God, someone just take him from me right. so I can get the hell out of here. It's like there's going to be somebody out there that is like after because he's going to have a big year if there's no Ken Walker. Right. The Seahawks look awesome. I mean, the offense looks incredible. Like, are you going to you know, is he ever going to get you, you know, a top uh, a super, super top first round pick? No, of course not. But it's it's an asset because, like you said, you're always going to be drafting him in redraft. Yeah. That value never totally goes away. Right. It never goes away on those guys. Whereas a lot of guys it definitely goes away you know on those guys uh, obviously older players but even just certain archetypes it goes away like in like quick fast and in a hurry yeah i mean players look at rookies like dynasty players basketball players whatever like all fantasy players i think like often just forget object permanence when they look at certain rookies where it's just like it's like if it doesn't happen the first year like this person no longer exists like it's like or we see a little bit of something where they look at a depth chart and it's like Ty J Spears, like the only thing in front of him and the only thing that ever will be in front of him is Derrick Henry. And like once Derrick Henry is no longer in front of him, like he is the starting running back for eternity. Like, and then it flips. Like I remember last. Oh, yeah, there's season, no like, middle ground. Would, there's no like, middle People ground would say these all. crazy things about Zamir White in August. It would be like, like <laughs> I'm investing in Zamir White because Jacobs is only there for one year. And then it's Zamir White's backfield. And it's like. Okay, even if worked. we assume that Jacobs will only be there, has like, that ever worked? Since no. who is it? Zamir White's backfield. Like it, it's never once, worked. It worked with Alexander Madison. Maybe it might work. With yeah, Alexander I guess it worked Madison. with Alexander Madison. It actually did work with Alexander Madison. But well, okay, but, but it, it, it it might work. Like it currently projects to work. Pollard, but, right? Like, but I like guess. Pollard, no, I was lose I, his job by week five. Pollard stole the job. He didn't. Just, Pollard he yeah. took the job. That's yeah, what he, he just took. Yeah, has to be he's taking the job. That's a different bet. Yeah, right. Yeah, Ben Tate. Remember Ben Tate. It was always, well, as soon as they're in Falls, they was Ben Tate. The player who patiently waits in the wings, like, until his number is called at the deli counter, like, it never happens, right? Like, <laughs> and it's, it's like Khalil Shakir was like, last year, was like, oh, yeah. just you wait, like, it'll be his turn. And it's like, wait, it so you're telling me Sky Moore's not a good Deontay pick then? Hardy Sky Moore, yeah. <laughs> Just needed to play a two hundred receiver. I need to speak up. to my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening this year. Um, but like that, this we do this all the time. And yeah, Sky Moore is, um, yeah, the dynasty. If I mean, realistically, if we were talking about like guys who dynasty should teach you are horrible basketball picks this year, like it, it should be Sky Moore. But I take him. Well, it's so a it's price fine. thing. Right, it's like one of those things where it's a it's also a priors thing for me. It's a priors thing too. Yeah, I was in on Skymark, but <laughs> yeah. but like the it's funny because like some guys just get it's like second year and the object permanence thing is funny because some guys it's almost like early in the off season the idea that they could have like any value at all as a second year player after a bad rookie so season true. is like mocked. It's like 
it's like ridiculous that you would think that they could possibly recover from a bad rookie season. When we see players all the time recover from bad rookie seasons and, and put up value, even if it's not amazing, even if it's like Nico Collins second year, which is like not anything right home about, but like right. he was a, he was, you know, useful. rivaling Brandon cooks for targets at one point, you know, um, yeah, he was useful. chalk on every DFS slate. Cause he was $4,000 and projected exactly. for eight targets or whatever. Yeah. That's, yeah. So like, that's useful. If you get that at a cheap price, that's useful. It's, it's useful. Yeah. So that's like when sky Moore was going in the 13th round or whatever, like that's when, you know, he, he made a lot of sense. I, right. I have to admit, I sometimes got a little nervous because the Rasheed Rice pick and didn't, didn't completely load up at that price. And now I have taken a little bit more since the price riz, rose. I don't think I'm going to chase him into the seventh, but, um, but there's like, you know, I would say Alec Pierce is a guy that I've drafted a lot of this year. Yeah. It's just Same. like he earned a role right away. And he's like, it, you know, it reminds me a little bit of the Gabe Davis bet, uh, not oh, from gosh. last year, but the year before uh, <laughs> when it kind of hit at the at the very end of the season. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then except Alec it, Pierce like is the starter. He's the starter. Yeah. He there's no Emmanuel yeah. Sanders he has to overcome. So it's so almost like Josh last Downey, year's Gabriel right? Davis bet. Blast. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I take downs too because I think he is the starter in the slot. But but anyway, I mean, there's, there's certain guys. Zamir White, I think, is an example. Like when Zamir White was completely free, um, I wasn't sure he was the RB2. And now that he is the RB2, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Right. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm in on that. Kyron Williams is someone that I continually sort of just draft through it on because yeah. everyone thinks it's disgusting. And he I, didn't do anything as a rookie. Think, he had a high ankle. Why doesn't Kyron he go Williams. up? Is, is he I undrafted in Kyron every – I talked him up and uh, like I, I, by talking him up, I meant you should draft this guy in round 18 to be clear. I'm not like a Kyron Williams truther. He goes round 20. I, I strongly on... advocated for him as a good best ball pick and the uh, hitchhikers guy. So I, yeah, I think he's, I, I actually have not hammered him yet. Um, particularly on underdog. Cause it's, I have one less round to, to take guys. Um, I'm, but I'm only, yeah. I'm at 5% on DraftKings. I would like to be at like 10%, I think. And as a guy who doesn't always get drafted, that's more like, 15 18%, right? Uh, maybe I take him that. a ton on DraftKings. I'm, like I'm going like to start. percent on DraftKings. You're at 30%? No, I said I'd like to be. I've, oh. I just have barely drafted on DraftKings. I'm going to hammer it in an obscene degree these two weeks, but I, I would like to be for sure. I, I'm I mean, in. I'm in. I'm also, I also, I, I like now. Zach Evans as a prospect, <laughs> but the you fact that Zach Evans is still <laughs> today, like behind Ronnie Rivers and yeah. Royce Freeman, is like, and I've actually liked what I've seen from Zach Evans in the preseason games, but clearly he's just not having like the type of camp that he needs to create, no. the type of inertia that he needs to create. So if you take him out of the equation, then nobody else is a, is a threat to Kyron Williams. Because like the whole my case against Kyron Williams would be like he is too small and slow to be a stand or to be a handcuff back. So he's really just a standalone guy. But if it's really like him or Royce Freeman or like the bastard from the Riverlands then sure like why why not why can't well, it be Kyron Williams the, the other thing is that I think okay we talked about DeAndre Washington and Duke Johnson and if you play Dynasty for a long time you're just like constantly beaten over the head with being wrong because we have to go and get these bets we have to take these bets like in best ball we stop after 18 or 20 rounds like we don't have to go and do like the deep dive profiles on you know, these random day three running backs who we like start to fall in love with and we think they're going to be something. And like, you're like, I don't know, man, I think Tress and Ebner's a little interesting, you know, like <laughs> right. you, you you do that in dynasty and then it continually, you're like, Oh, I'm an idiot. Jamar Jefferson, you know, it's like, 
That's a guy uh, we were kind of kind I, of. I there's have, a million. Boy, don't name search my tweets about Jamar Jefferson. Fuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those like, are embarrassing. <laughs> it's endless. Like we're but but you also I think can be overconfident in certain data points the other way, and you know I think the RAS scores are are pretty helpful, but Monty Freeman had a two point three four RAS score. I think uh, either 2.34 or 2.96. Right. spreadsheet's a little off. Former um, RB1 in fantasy, Devonta Freeman. Yeah, for anybody former RB1 in remember. fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Um, like overall, like not end yeah. RB1, the, the RB1. RB1. The RB1. Yeah. Ramondre Stevenson was at 3.98 when he came in. Uh, there's been several of these guys who have actually like overcome. Oh, Devin Singletary had a horrendous RAS score. Uh, he's at right. 1.65. James Conner was at 4.53. Dalvin Cook was at 4.65. Um, Kyron Williams is at 3.47, which is not good. But, like, the idea that this dude who's getting rested as, like, a co-starter with Cam Akers, who's been, like, ta- like getting reps with the ones during minicamp, was clearly the running back two throughout all of training camp, has been rested. I said co-starter. I don't actually believe that. I think he's the number two. But he looks locked in as the number two. He's a legitimate role player. He has a role in the base. He has a role. Yes, he has a role in the Rams offense. They are resting him. We have never not had an indication that that was the case this entire offseason. Schefter tweeted out last week one that he was going to be playing him in his his, uh, war room league because he thought the Rams wanted to use him a lot. And then he gets a high ankle sprain on special teams and we never really see a healthy snap from him. Um, You know, I don't want to get carried away because if Kyron Williams was like a 15th round pick, I'd be like, gross. But like, is a nineteen round pick. I'm kind of getting teams. carried. I'm kind of getting carried away. No, uh, I'll get yeah. carried away. I mean, we see this all the time with these running backs, and I and the dynasty lens through it is is interesting because like we get all these rookies, and it's like we go through this phase every year where like all of the backup running backs that like have only ever been backup running backs, it's like out of sight, out of mind for people. When Zeke goes and signs somewhere, everybody's like, oh, my God, Ezekiel Elliott's uh, this team. It's like, what am I going to do? It's like he's no different than every other backup <laughs> shit running back in the NFL. But like, but we forget those guys exist. We forget that they exist like so much. Like, again, they, they literally lose object permanence for us such that like when Chase Brown goes in the fifth round, like all of like the community is like he's clearly the backup like there's no there's no possible way that this fifth round pick out of illinois could possibly not be the rb2 in cincinnati this year we got to draft him in the 14th round so <laughs> it's it, it's and it's it's goofy but like what usually happens to these late guys is we're just like drafting like a profile that might be interesting if fortune ever smiles on them one day and sometimes it does smile on them in year one but most of the time it doesn't most of the time it's like what's happening with the Bengals now where like Travion Williams and Chris Evans, who were like these day three running back sleepers of yesteryear and yester mm-hmm. five years ago, like now might have fortune favor them at some point where like there's a shitty running back ahead of them who has legal problems and doesn't play on third downs. And there's a new running back who just got drafted, who I guess has not enamored anybody quite yet for a team that always slow plays their their rookie running backs every single year they slow play these guys so why was he going to be different and yeah it's probably going to favor them and you know it's, you know it's interesting to look at through these profiles like who can take on this work like it's, it looks like the injury might have it going against me because man was i filling up some Travion williams um i know exposures that he got hurt but i don't know i think he's still um, got potential to be i still think he's still alive i still think he's live but but 
you know, it's the same thing with these with these Rams players, right? Like the Kyron that stuff. Like the the reasons why you're a little bit interested on a low probability bet from a day three pick, they don't actually go away. Like the fact that Kyron Williams yeah. had this pass catching profile and showed an ability to handle a workload in college, like, yes, yeah, it doesn't go away. Like that's still that's still there. That's still part of the equation. It's still interesting. And I mean, is there any better backfield to take backups for than the Rams? Like the two things we know about Sean McVay is that in his perfect world, he would like to use one back and one back only. That's the one thing we know about him. And the second thing we know about him is that every time he gives that workload to a running back, he hates them two weeks later. Those are the two mm-hmm. constants of Sean McVay. It's like and particularly in one back. <laughs> that's right. Like he's been, never had he's a more up and down relationship with a running back than with Cam <laughs> Yeah, he's been in a, like a legitimately toxic relationship with this player for several years. Like, and it goes up and down. It's it's. He yeah, left it's like the team. Yeah, Cam Akers left the team during the season because he was mad. He was hated his role, and now he's back and assumed. And we're we're giving him the Najee Harris volume, and his backup does not get drafted. Now, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying Kyron is Jalen Warren, but I mean, there are not absurd parallels. Well, there, here's the, uh, the other. I was going to mention Jalen Warren, four point eight RAS score, which is not good. Right. right. Jamal Williams was another one that I, I didn't mention earlier. Uh, who's in this exact same range. Samaji Piran is another guy. He's at four point. Kyron feels like a career Piran because he's a, Pirine. That's his, he's a career Piran guy. He's all, he's never going to be the guy. Right. So you talked about the dynasty thing. When Cam Akers is gone, do not expect Kyron to just get gifted this workhorse role. But yeah, Kyron is always going to be Samaji Piran on a team because guess what? We don't, he's, look, he, he ain't going to be breaking away for a bunch of 80 yard touchdowns. I get it. You know, and he's probably not going to be that successful even as a runner, but he does, he's able to handle a workload. His size is totally fine. And he is a badass pass blocker and a good receiver. He, so like that is valuable, man. Why has Rojo never stuck in the NFL? Cause he can't do any of that. Great runner. We can hand you the rock and you're going to get four and a half yards per carry, but you don't do all the shit that you know matters and Kyron does it he doesn't do any of the stuff that's sexy right. just like p ryan doesn't p ryan doesn't do any of the stuff that's sexy but he's going to catch the ball and he's going to protect his quarterback and like sometimes that's all we need right because then you stumble into 18 carries and a couple goal line carries and poof you get right. p ryan of last season yeah and if you want to talk about members of the 2019 tampa bay buccaneers one of them ronald jones is currently at risk of losing his place in the nfl the other one daria Gumbawale, is very safe in the nfl <laughs> that's true yeah. that's yeah. sad but true <laughs> Um, yeah. by the way, just real quick aside, cause I have another actual point, but, um, <laughs> you know, kind of, you're, you're looking at some of these ESPN metrics that they rolled out these receiver ratings. And one of the ways that you can check, uh, the running back rating is at least, you know, directionally accurate is that Ronald Jones 2020 season is 196 out of, uh, 198 seasons ever recorded at running back. So they, the receiver ratings are, are picking up. <laughs> Melvin Gordon is the only person worse, actually. He's oh, tied Jesus. with Carlos Hyde at 196, and then Melvin oh, Gordon's God. the only worse. Melvin Gordon's 2020 season, the lowest recorded receiver season uh, of all time by uh, Carlos Hyde, Melvin Gordon, and Ronald Jones. That is a fucking trio. It's picking up some of... signal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Miles Sanders, by the way, uh, 192 in this, yeah. in this list. I was, I was going to guess if he was last. Yeah, three down back, Miles Sanders. They said it. Yeah, three down back. It's definitely, that's definitely going to work. Don't have any uh, reservations about that. Tuba, also another big faller when when uh, he sprained his ankle, and uh, he's fine. 
uh, apparently now. Chuba is a big Chuba is a big example of the of the object permanence theory. Like he came yes. in, people were yes. excited for him. He like didn't pop right away. People forgot that he played in the National Football League. He was yes. like then like the CNC thing. It was like oh my god. And then like he actually looked good last year. They signed Miles Sanders, like one of the least imposing like stand in running backs. And and once again, like he he like people forgot he existed. He he kind of came up in ADP. Not not enough for my taste, but. Uh, yeah, I, I love love Chuba Hubbard. This year. I think there's like a thing with Kyron where like because the RAS score thing has been a little bit tilting to me because it gets like often like told to me as if I'm not aware he's super unathletic. I'm like, I know he's super unathletic. I'm <laughs> yeah, aware no of that. Shit. Yeah, That's, I drafted yeah. A, so much Kyron in like the 12th round of the big board because I was like, I don't know, he's going to run like four or five, five or something like that and go in the third round or, you know, whatever, you know, how the big boards are. And then... <laughs> I definitely know how unathletic he was because the mo- I pissed away hundreds of dollars the moment he <laughs> tested at the combine. <laughs> like I'm well aware he I'm I'm right. as athletic as that dude is. Yeah. Oh, Tariq Cohen, by the way, three point nine two rat score. Another another guy. You can you can just keep on uh, finding these dudes who actually had a little. Alex Collins, two point nine six. Was oh, Alex yeah, Collins? R.I.P. Oh, Alex, yeah, R.I.P. Alex Collins. Um, but you know if you're looking for guys who. Uh, can actually, you know, do something from these late rounds, but you're just focused on like the one thing you know about him, and that one thing's bad, right? I think that's what's happening with Williams. Like, we haven't seen him in the chat earlier because I was talking him up on ADP chasing. Uh, someone pointed out that like him being rested with the starters has actually probably hurt his ADP because we haven't seen him. That is a great right. Point. You know, no yeah. one cares that Jalen Warren is unathletic because he just housed a 60-yard <laughs> touchdown, and he actually plays well. Yeah. He, he's a good football yeah. player. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kyron Williams appears to be a good football player, too. He was productive in college. He has clearly earned a, a clear number two role uh, with the Rams. They were excited about him last year a little bit. But we haven't really seen it. So we're, we're like, yeah, but he, his RAS score sucks. So that's all we need to know. But it's not all we need to know, especially with this backup archetype. Who it's like, yeah, if if you were saying Kyron Williams was going to be like an awesome fifth round pick because he's going to get all the Rams. It's 2024 and Akers is on a different team. And it's like, oh, we got to draft Kyron Williams. I'd be like, I don't know. He's pretty unathletic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at that price, I'd be like, right. this seems like a thin bet for him to just like, hold down the role and be awesome and like deliver the kind of running back season we're looking for from, you know, taking the risk on a guy in the fifth round, but it's like an 18 round pick. Like I know he's unathletic and that doesn't bother me. I mean, I think I, like I keep this like Rams thing too. The Rams thing too was the only other thing I was just going to add is like Jacob, Jacob outlined, like the Rams is a, that's a, this is a fucking glorious situation for, for like Malcolm Brown, Remember Malcolm Brown? I was drafting a shit ton of Malcolm oh, Brown God, yeah. that season. Human two touchdowns, slush. two touchdowns, week one, and that dude is horrible. Like if you think Kyron is bad, Malcolm Brown is horrible. And McVay was like, "Nope, I trust him. I trust him to pass protect, right? I trust him to just get me two yards when I call." You know, McVay is kind of very Shanahan esque, right? He's 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 you know mad science scientist uh in the offense and all well, he that knows the position doesn't matter that much malcolm malcolm yeah. brown was don't the only running back in the yeah, nfl don't that screw wore a neck roll like last year and it and it like it fit perfectly with his game like i saw that guy pull up with the neck roll right up here and i was like yes like this guy would dress like a backup left guard left guard because he plays like a backup left guard I think if um, I ever like got really big i would just like start wearing the neck roll as a fashion statement <laughs> 
Let's hope that doesn't happen. Actually, let's hope that does that does happen. So I, I wanted to quickly touch on like for my running back uh, rankings and shout out to um, we'll have to do an update on those, by the way, the old consensus dynasty uh, leg up rankings. People are asking for an off. update, actually. So we should we should yeah. do an update. We'll have to we'll have to group together and figure out uh, who's doing the next update or if we're all doing anyway. But um, in my running back rankings specifically. I have like all these different color coded tiers that's based off of what I, I used to do for Bulletproof, which was just called the shitty bench running backs tier list. Um, and basically I break down like all these backs into these different archetypes and some of them change year to year. And then some of them basically stay with that player ideally for their whole career, unless I just decide that my evaluation of them was wrong. But like at the top end of the production, you know, we have classic like legend, star, starter, streamer, bench, etc. But in terms of like what they are, I have like each player gets an asset class depending on which is either like their generational asset, core asset, speculative asset, or an upside asset, which, and I go into all the traits and then they get a contingent value classification, which sticks with them ideally forever, which is either what I call the French cuff, which is player who demonstrates or projectively possesses skills necessary to provide star level production on a contingent basis handcuff. So just like your classic, like come in, take the 15 carries and two targets Cuff Lengths, which is a player who fits an early down hammer roll or a satellite back roll, but has kind of systemic limitations to growing beyond that. So like that kind of is your Chiron where he's like a little smaller, less athletic, but he like has yeah. a projectable role or off the cuff, which is just any running back on a 53 man roster. And like these kind of stick with them and it just sort of describes who these players are. And then my hope is like between players who have similarly projected roles in a given season, like I'm always targeting these specific archetypes, the ones that have more room to grow. Like I wrote that big piece on my site um, called running backs are balloons. And we talked about the idea of like, are running backs like gases, right? Like, can they just fill to, can they grow to fill the available space? And like some can more the others. And when we're talking about these backup running backs, like from that long view college into the NFL lens, like I always want to be filling my benches and the back of my best ball rosters with the running backs who can grow to fill the available space. Yeah, that's so, so, so true. And that's, it's the dynasty conversation around it is so interesting because it's not always like a lot of the times dynasty and how, not even just like how how dynasty players play necessarily, but how people think about dynasty very much. And what, I mean, frankly, that's what happened in the beginning of best ball season was everybody gravitated to Zach Evans, right? It's like, we have, we have, we haven't seen anything from Kyron. He certainly does not seem like an, like an appealing asset as a talent. And they got this new guy. And Zach Evans was a big time recruit, really talented, really talented back. Although I, there's something definitely wrong with Zach Evans. I have no idea what it is, if it's a personality issue or there's some, you know, a knowledge based issue or whatever. But he was at TCU before Ken yeah. Jay and was known as like one of the best high school running back prospects like almost ever. And when he got on the field at TCU was awesome. But they yeah, just he was number never, two in the class, I believe. But they him just and never, Bichon, yeah, guy. He never got to plot. Like he was like a just a committee back with Kendra and with these other other guys at TCU, and it, it never made any sense as to why he couldn't. And his play. advanced stats were awesome, like amazing, it was inexplicable. He was the best back on the team that had another NFL back on the team, like pretty decisively. Transfers to Ole Miss to go play for Lane Kiffin, and I'm thinking like, oh my god, if you know anything about Ole Miss and the way Lane Kiffin running backs, oh, I was produce, so excited. Uh, you're just thinking, oh my God, this dude's going to run for like 2000 yards. 
goes there. Obviously, he was he was fine last season. Loses the job, basically becomes Quinshawn yeah. Judkins' backup by the end of the season. Who look, it's it, being the backup to a really, really, yeah. really good, good young player is not like a bad thing. But it's just like every step of the way, man, with with Zach Evans, and we just get enamored with that that shiny new guy. Like you said, there's nothing else established there, right? Travion Williams is a totally unappealing asset. So if they got chase Brown, we got to chase chase Brown, right? Kyron Williams, totally unappealing asset. So we got to chase Zach Evans. Right. And it's like, yeah. most of the time that shit never works. Williams. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always <laughs> Travion Ryan. Williams, Daryl Williams, Kyron Williams, <laughs> Jamal Williams. Yeah. That, apparently that's a, put just that in your model. Williams. That's put my that process. Your, I just, yeah, you got to just draft put running backs your... named Williams and wide receivers named Brown and more <laughs> and you can get your two well, five two just off that not more, more. It, uh, not more <laughs> last year in particular uh, no. elijah and, we're going uh, back to the well on mims we'll see and we'll let you know how that going. one turns out <laughs> yeah right right uh, for sure the mims already got caught eh yeah uh, well that, marvin, marvin mims marvin marvin mims Oh, no, Denzel Mims was already released. No, he's yeah, already released. No, that one over. didn't work yeah. officially. We're, yes. we're trying again this year with Marvin. Uh, with Marvin well, I wanted to ask Jacob. I'm really about... upset you got a clip on him, by the way. I, 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 I had to move him down around in my ranks after you I'm introduced the clip. Sorry. Hey, no one's gonna, I'm going to feel it as bad as anyone. I, I have a ton of them. Um, Starting in three wide receiver sets. It's all good. I want to ask about – because we talk, we spent a lot of time on Kyron, who's become yeah. kind of like a guy like – Sometimes I worry, like, you know, I should probably show up about this guy because he's not actually that talented. And you you, you call him, you know, a cufflink where he's like, uh, if you talk about like the idea of how much of the available space can he actually fill, like probably not that much, you know, like but right. some. But like, are there yeah. guys to you, Jake, first, second year, third year guys are just kind of under the radar guys going late that you do think could fill a bunch of the available space? Yeah, well, I wrote about one of them, um, one of my favorite ones, Keontae Ingram. Uh, I mean, that was the prospect that I really liked coming out, like, pre-draft. He was one of my favorite under-the-radar guys in that class. Um, and what I look for for the under-the-radar running backs primarily is, like, I call them my confident plotters, which is I look for guys who are able to execute the scheme of the offense. And one of the best things with, with Keontae Ingram coming out of college was he had a 97th percentile chunk rate, which is, uh, it's Noah Hills' term for the metric, but it's conversion of runs into 10 plus yards. Had a really low percentage of converting 10 yard runs into 20 plus yard runs, but he was consistently able to churn out chunks. Uh, and then also had like, Noah has this incredible database of like all these different metrics that compare him versus the performance of his teammates. But he played next to Roshan Johnson, he played next to Bijan Robinson, and then he goes to USC. And Outside of Bijan Robinson, like he was pretty consistently more efficient than the average of the running backs on his team, even when you adjust for box counts, um, both overall and especially on a success rate basis and on a chunk rate basis. So he was consistently turning out positive yardage compared to a pretty talented group of teammates and also has three seasons over 20 college receptions. So I don't think he's like a dynamic receiver or anything, but I, I think he can, you know, catch the ball if it happens to fall into his hands. So he kind of fit everything that I wanted where he looked like that type of running back where if someone gets hurt, they can just hand the ball and he can execute the scheme the way it's supposed to go. Uh, didn't happen last year, which was concerning, but also Cliff Kingsbury's a total idiot. So you never know. Um, <laughs> so 
uh, he was like a guy I didn't want to get super invested in because I was like, if he's not actually the two and he plays in the Cardinals, like that just seems like a great way to burn money. But it seems like he's clearly the two now. Like he played four snaps with the starters uh, to James Conner's 11. There's really nobody else uh, in that backfield anyway. So that's a guy that I think if Connor, and, and you also kind of get a lot of fun with that where not just if Connor gets hurt, but like the Cardinals have no incentive to like, give James Conner the type of workload we project in week one, anywhere close to the late season where if Ingram shows them anything, like they can just be like play it at a timeshare or James Connor, shut Connor down at the end of the year and be like, what do you got kid for fake reasons? Yeah. So I think like if, so Ingram is a talent that I think is like interesting. And I think he fits this like mold of guys who I think can, uh, can grow to the available space. So he's, uh, he was a guy okay. with mixing in before, and since that preseason game, he's now become a priority click for me. All right, I like that one. Can I pitch you one? I want to get on this exact same idea. Yeah. Guy who I was uh drafting quite a bit for a couple different reasons. One, not necessarily dynasty related, but kind of kind of like the Kyron thing, where sometimes the market really reacts to news that we're getting. Right, like okay, this guy is so like I like the Tank Bigsby. Right, the market has mm. v- reacted hard to the Tank Bigsby yeah. thing. And like, I actually kind of like Tank Bigsby and wanted to like really have a bunch of him. And I'm, I like not gonna, I'm not gonna probably have as much as I, as I want in best ball specifically. But I'll be probably yeah. underweight. I'm at 9% now, so I'll probably be underweight. Right, I think I'm about I'm even t- with the field and I'm it's tougher currently. to get him. I'm at 12, but it'll be fading. But he is—he was yeah. my most drafted rookie in the whole 2023 class in Dynasty drafts. So I'm so, I'll get my exposure there. And but like right, the drum beat is absurd from Doug Peterson on on Bigsby, and then he goes out and looks awesome in the preseason. So he's rising. Whatever that that's fine. But we have so we have all this Colts shit going on, right? And and we yeah. even had it with Josh Jacobs, right? So Josh Jacobs is nowhere to be found. We find out Zamir White is the backup. He rises. Jonathan Taylor's not around and seems like hmm. uh, I'm not saying him and Jacobs and these guys are a risk, but I, sh- I don't feel awesome. Oh, I know where you're to- going. And I love it. J- Jacobs did not request a trade. He's just pissed that he didn't get money. JT's pissed about not getting, and he doesn't want to be on the team <laughs> and the owner is shitting on him on social, on social media. It all feels pretty bad. Basically is what I'm saying in Indy. Yeah. And he and just then, lost 20 million on a dead whale. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, we get reports. Guess so. Zach Moss breaks his arm, and who's running with the ones? Evan Hall. It's not Deion Jackson. It actually wasn't Zach Moss even before he broke his arm. But whatever. We get confirmation. Evan Hall is then getting all the snaps with the starters during the preseason, and I know they don't look good, so he's not popping like Tank is or whatever. But every indication is like, this is the guy. It's also a new regime. They drafted him. They did not draft Deion Jackson. They did certainly did not pick up the dust, the corpse of Zach Moss during, you know, Jeff Saturday picked up, picked up Zach Moss and no one gives a shit about Evan Hall. And it's like the same thing. I could see a lot of paths to, uh, does JT want to play? Does JT want to play all the snaps down the stretch? This team is not going to be very good. Who's going to be getting the ball down the stretch. It ain't Zach Moss. And if JT isn't out there, like, this guy feels to me like a last round guy who's not getting picked, who is very clearly this backup. I kind of think he can be that guy that ends up filling up all the space because he feels, he feels like a more well-rounded Isaiah Pacheco of a, of a, of a profile to me comes from a better horrible fucking disaster program in Northwestern. I mean, even like in a lot of ways, a disaster of a program, he was the offense. 
that was it. They could not move the ball unless it was him. And as you mentioned, the thing that he does better than Pacheco is he's actually a really good receiver. He's really explosive. He has tested well. He's got good size. I can't really figure out basically is what I'm saying. Like why we're pushing up everybody else, but not this guy who seems to really fit exactly what you were talking about. And Evan Hall to me is a carbon copy of Eno Benjamin as a prospect. And then like he like has like all of the like superficial metrics covered that we want, has the workload, probably isn't actually good. Like the qualitative right. metrics don't shine quite as nice of a light on him, but he has all of the base competencies to fill in. The issue that I have with Hall is so Nathan Yankee, his recap of the second game, he noted that Deion Jackson started after Hall had started week one. I didn't see Um, that. So uh, he's he's received all the snaps in the first drive and and began a second drive, he said. So uh, then Hall started rotating in early on the second drive. So for me, it's as simple as I'm not sure he's the backup, Mm -hmm. but he's someone that like he's he's very athletic. He's very versatile. If I knew for sure he was the clear backup, I would be way more interested in him than like a Kyron Williams. Um well, I, I guess I get to bet against Cam Akers instead of JT, but contracts. Yeah, JT, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, kind of all those little nuances aside, like he would be a more interesting pure contingent play to me than Kyron Williams. But this year, I've been trying to just like be, just have a higher hit rate on yeah. drafting guys who are actually the backup. And that yeah, that- I have been drafting Evan Hall. I've been mixing him in. Um, I'm a little concerned about the Deion Jackson stuff. But because I think Deion Jackson is kind of good, I think yeah, he's okay. I think he's good. I think he's a good pass catcher. I I don't think he does much on the ground, but I I think he's a good pass catcher for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Evan Hall could be the could be the backup, and he could be the complement. I was kind of excited when they signed Kenyon Drake because I thought that that might signal Deion Jackson as a cut risk. Um, But then Kenyon Drake's like been barely getting any play with the one so i think kenny yeah, Drake is just yeah. a camp body and he's gonna get cut yeah um so i think it'll probably be hall jackson moss starts on ir and taylor would yeah. be my guess but I'm, I'm interested in all he fits all the archetype stuff that i'm looking for colts organizationally are like the team you want to take day three rookies and udfas on because they will play them it's like an organizational commitment almost where chris ballard like loves giving his young guys a shot. He won't block them. They're starting two rookie cornerbacks this year. I believe uh, everyone except for th- except for DeForest Buckner that is in their projected starting lineup was drafted by the Indianapolis Colts um, or signed by the Indianapolis Colts as a UDFA. And uh, I'm pretty sure that eight of their 22 starters are either first or second year players. So this is like a full-on youth movement. They have day three and UDFA signings all over the roster. They've had success with them and they like to grow them and nurture them. So I, I think if Evan Hall shows something, he can win that uh, backup spot on merit. Um, I know they brought in Kareem Hunt for a visit. I, I think that the people have said, like if Jonathan Taylor does hold out or is traded, like they'll for sure sign someone. I think they might sign someone, but it would be against type for Ballard. I think if they sign someone, that's a Jim Ursay call. Chris Ballard does not like the block guys like this. I think he would let Hall and Deion Jackson sort it out with like Zach Moss, Kenyon Drake type like placeholders. Great. Awesome. That is and that's, awesome that's, stuff. That's my Colts fan perspective on it. And I will also add to the just your point about the Colts defense. This is my favorite um, oh, man. thing that we do in best like in best ball people come right so like we just talked about derrick henry and the titans and they play the texans right so everybody yeah 
just use its historical defensive data or you know what we've seen in the last however many years and assumes this coming season that is going those are going to be the best matchups right but like the texans have gotten demonstrably better on defense and no, it's hard to tackle dudes in those jerseys man no that is true that is that is definitely it's, it's true a simple fact. but like you know one team got rid of all their good players and and is, is trotting out a bunch of young probably not very good players on defense the other one added the best defender in this in in this draft the best defender in the sec for two straight seasons and a bunch of other pretty talented players to go with other past first round nfl draft picks right and so i'm not projecting the texans to be like an awesome defense but the colts defense is going to be worse than the texans defense i've already started building my trevor lawrence stacks for week one the colts are i guarantee you they will have the worst secondary in the nfl by a lot they are starting julian blackman who is like off achilles lost his job last year udfa rodney thomas and two rookie cornerbacks and kenny moore like it was they lost gilmore rogers got suspended for gambling so it's just it's just like they're starting a day three rookie in week one yeah but so that just to that point it's i know that's not a dynasty take necessarily although player turnover yeah. i guess a little bit but people do the defense stuff and they get really foaming at the mouth over a week 17 matchups and i'm like yeah but you have to think about who's on the team this year like it's it's not right. just about the texans from three years ago yeah. it's like the, the colts the colts uh, is like the juiciest matchup on the board which is the only thing yeah. that they keep what a waste of a playoff schedule they get the the steelers week 15 the the Falcons week 16 and the Raiders the week 17. Raiders. Yeah, what a letdown. Yeah, a lot but more fun Michael, look, Michael Mayer. Look, it, man, it's I'm Michael a, Mayer. I'm drafting the Raiders passing game because I think the Colts are going to be a run funnel. Their front seven is still good. That secondary sucks. Devon Adams going to have 250 yards. Oh, pass fall. Great. Be pass fall. Yeah, 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 De- yeah, yeah. Devontae got to be out there after like this, the uh, disaster of uh, Josh Jacobs and Devontae. I'm into that. On an island with Will Fuller somewhere. By the time Week 17 gets around, I think for uh, I think I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. McDaniel's. I think I'm um, overweight on all the major Raiders pass catching pieces. I'm, I'm Adams drafting Myers. I'm drafting the Raiders so much. It's I occasionally draft Hunter Renfro, but don't tell anyone that. I, I drafted I, Hunter Renfro, and I occasionally I draft texting... Jacoby Myers, who goes 80 picks ahead of Hunter Renfro. No, I, so... I don't occasionally draft Jacoby Myers. When we th- when we say <laughs> occasional, when we when we say occasionally, does occasionally mean eleven percent? Yeah, right. Occasionally is like three percent. Eleven percent is like no, this guy's like kind of a priority I'm, for me because I'm eleven percent on Hunter Renfro. I'm nine percent on Hunter Renfro. Um, you guys make me sick. So someone call nine one one. I guess. But uh, yes, nine one one. <laughs> I, I actually I drafted on a Renfro on a team and I like forgot that that was embarrassing because I take him on several teams and I was just like going back and forth with Ben about like roster construction stuff and then I sent him like an example of a team that I thought fit this and he was like that is a good team except you have Hunter Renfro on it. What the fuck? This guy sucks. And then he sent me like a photo of him and he was like this guy looks more washed than me and I was like I I can't even defend that but yeah I think he's a great pick. Oh man! Yeah. So I think once we get to Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro and uh, Colts uh, uh, cornerback takes, on Jacoby probably, and Hunter Renfro, it's, it's that's probably about a good point. I did want to um, any last guys that as you guys have gone through this, you know, your the whole summer of dynasty and doing tons of dynasty drafts, and anybody that we haven't touched on that could be like just a, a take. You could be like way lower on them from because of a dynasty perspective way higher just anything that you've kind of gleaned over the course of the summer um you know kind of again with this dynasty lens uh jacob you go ahead. well i'm well i'm way higher on the consensus 
dynasty community's second best pre-draft running back from the class with Jonathan Taylor, who's fully healthy in an awesome offense and draftable in the sixth and seventh round. And I think you should just keep drafting J.K. Dobbins. I think he's I think that the confluence of factors between his contract stuff, his past injuries, and the uncertainty of the Ravens has given us like a, a borderline once in a lifetime opportunity to draft one of the most talented running backs that will ever get the chance to see in round six and round seven. I'm extraordinarily excited for it. Talk about the market not reacting to stuff. Uh, J.K. Dobbins back at practice and the market's like, yeah, shut up. I don't care. <laughs> don't care at Why? all. Why don't you care? I thought you were worried about his health and contract. No, we just don't like him, it turns out. <laughs> like, are you, really? Because I he think he was going in the fifth before this. Why is he going in the <laughs> I fifth again? I don't, I, I truly don't. I've been, I will say, I've been doing in these slow drafts um, that I've got going now, I've been doing the thing where I take Lamar and then I'm like, you can get whoever you want in the fifth. You can reach for JSN, then you take Dobbins in the sixth, then you can get Flowers in the seventh. And. Yeah. Dobbins isn't there in the sixth anymore. So I think I think people are starting to wake up. That five, six turn drafter is starting to take yep. him. So to me, I'm like, all right, it's time for late fifth Dobbins when I have Lamar, which is what I was doing. Um, I want to say, you know, early July, you know, before like all this yeah. stuff popped up. Yep. Well, what I was doing I'm, I'm happy July, to do it again. Early fifth Dobbins with Tyreek Hill. And that didn't age too well after I started doing, be able to do early seventh <laughs> Dobbins with Tyreek Hill. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah that was uh, nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll, I'll mention Josh Downs, who um, early, 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 like when we were first looking at all these prospect profiles, I was getting kind of comfortable with these guys. I know Anthony Miko had Josh Downs like really high in his uh, wide receiver rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a this is a three year prospect who uh, was very productive in college um, and w- at the time was someone that we thought might have a chance to go you know, in round, in round one, uh, early round two, that kind of range. Um, I was never quite as into him because you have size concerns. He's more of a slot guy, but I mean, he did, he did have a truly like statistically an awesome receiving profile. He, he only played four games, only had seven receptions and 119 yards, three touchdowns as a rookie or as a freshman, excuse me. But that was good for a 31% dominator rating. I would say he did not break out as a freshman, but like he flashed. And then, 36% 36% as a sophomore, 34% as a junior. Like, that's awesome. You get a guy who immediately is productive. He declares early. He was a day two pick, even though he was a third round guy. There was a period post draft where I thought his ADP was really silly because it, it didn't, it was too high. It didn't reflect the fact yeah. that he had not been a first round pick. He had instead, you know, gone to the third, and that's a big difference. And now he's like Anthony Richardson's slot receiver. That's, a pretty bad archetype, <laughs> but, but, you know, I talked about Alec Pierce and how he's the, t- the kind of guy I'm willing to bet on. He didn't flash that much. He didn't rate particularly well in a lot of the advanced stuff that I look at. I mostly like that he was able to earn starter snaps right away and he's yeah. a second year player and he was, he has draft capital behind him. I don't think Michael Pittman is like anything special. I think he's, you know, I know Matt Harmon likes him and likes his route running, but like he doesn't really pop for me and my stuff. Um, not terrible, but I don't know what's going to happen here with the, with the Colts receivers. Like it's possible that someone could, you know, emerge and shake things up a little bit, you know? And I think as a completely free, like regularly available in the 20th round of DraftKings draft. So not even Mm -hmm. 18th round. I mean, you want them in the 18th round underdog every single time you get them now, but if you want to go over drafts and get them the 20th, he's there for you too. And there's no 
no hype, no buzz, but he has locked up the number three job. He is the starting slot receiver for the yes. Colts now. Is that worth anything at all? Maybe not. <laughs> but but I mean we are we are getting a prospect profile that's actually pretty strong and someone that there was some real excitement about before this offseason kind of went bad for him in a few key ways. But I don't know. That's a guy where um, maybe Jake, you, you might have some more thoughts on him from kind of a longer term perspective. But he was someone that, you know, I know there was some excitement for and, and now is basically off the radar. Yeah, I I didn't love Downs' profile just because I'm I was just concerned that he'd be pigeonholed as like a low to mid eight off slot wide receiver. Um, but certainly all that's been priced in. Like he is like a like a hashtag good player in terms of what we want from his prospect. He profile looks like an NFL player. He's gonna be an NFL starter. And the the cold planning spot's obviously horrendous, but all that's definitely priced in. And especially in best ball, it's it's a fun play. I do agree with you that they that he has like route concerns because of Pearson Pittman, but there's still like a lot of available volume to be consolidated. If Downs just comes in and he's really good, he's drawn pretty consistently good reviews at camp. He's definitely going to be starting uh, week one. And one thing that I think like I even had locked into my brain is I was just like Colts slot wide receiver. Ooh, they play all these two tight end sets all the time, but like they do have a new coaching staff. So it's, it's like it, the Eagles had a much higher rate of 11 personnel than like what we've seen out of some of the Frank Reich Colts era where they would do all these weird tight end committees. And then, uh, you know, that's, that's made me a more excited for Jelani Woods. Cause like he might not be subject to the same tight end rotations that Colts tight ends have been subjected to for years, but it also makes me like really excited for Josh Downs. Like maybe they are a little bit more of a traditional 11 personnel passing team. And at the very least, like Josh Downs should have a chance to, to force them to be that if he comes out and he's legitimately good because they, they need guys there. I love that. I'm going to toss up just a few of my random names that I've been going. So, <clears throat> you know, me and Sam Howell in Washington, I'm not going to get into Sam Howell, but my new favorite flavor is a pass catcher for Sam Howell. And it's Cole Turner who is their their tight end from from nevada so i just pulled up some of his yeah. his he he was a, a an interesting prospect he's huge um and half the time he was splitting out at wide receiver at at nevada which is partially what kind of had me concerned that those guys don't tend to be good nfl tight ends because you know ha- more than half of playing tight end is blocking and oh. and uh, uh you know protections oh. and all that all that different stuff but in the, his final two years 20 trigger games, warning for greg Dolfich, please credit <laughs> yeah Right, exactly. Like right. I mean, Dalton Kincaid, Greg, Greg Dulcich. It's tough for those guys. By the if way, you can't, if, you can't if people don't know what Cole Turner looks like, um, keep Greg Dulcich closely in your mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> By the way, if, if you didn't believe in, in karma, um, me dealing with exactly what happened to Albert O uh, the following year to Greg Dulcich, who I gleefully watched uh, – take alberto's job um it just feels a little like carmen i'm sorry greg this, this hey, one's on me it is it is yeah. a little bit i mean it's like it's like you won a bunch of money and got that take right and the gods are punishing you uh at least you know but they're punishing me we let you be <laughs> yeah, yeah no i no because because i've made i've made up pretty good yeah so i i have yeah. that is true this is this is true um oh, sorry. sorry guys but but so Cole, Cole Turner is is my guy 
I I like right. his prospect profile, generally speaking, as a as a pass catcher. I don't think he's like anything insane. But I mean, 19 touchdowns as a tight end with over 100 catches in your final two seasons, 1,200 yards, is pretty good, even at Nevada. And you know the draft capital was not amazing, but this is a second year, and I, I think that's one of the big things I really like about it is he's been there, you know. So the rookie season as a you know late round pick tight end probably not going to be a thing. We know that we understand that narrative. Right. But you talk about not being blocked by someone like he has Logan Thomas in front of him and John Bates behind him. These are the jag of all jags, and Logan Thomas is old and not healthy and hasn't been healthy yeah. again all summer. Cole Turner's running with the ones he ran. We'll see in a few hours. Uh, if he's running with the ones again in, in week two, but he got all the snaps with Sam Howell and the starters in week one and actually led them in targets. And I'm not saying that, you know, like you, you're, we're kind of buying routes, but like what I like about Washington is Terry McLaurin's good. Jahan Dotson is good. Curtis Samuel is fine, but that's like, that's not Devonte Adams. That's not Cooper cup. That's not like you're, you're not, you're not putting target competition out there that you're like, Oh God. Yeah. You're just buying, you know, hopefully a, a handful of targets or whatever. Like if he's actually really good, I think that there's like actual real upside from him back well, it's here. It's a skill prefer- thing, but it's also a role thing. Like McLaurin is going to earn targets more inconsistently, partly because of skill, but also because he's like a deep threat more than right. I know, I know Adams can get deep and everything, but he does a lot for an offense. Right. Where, and yeah. Dotson, I think, is good, but not like a game-changing level talent. So I think that there is a lot of of like, it's also the offense is going to be good because those guys are good enough, but they're not so good that this dude can't like really emerge into a meaningful hit. They they happen to be on the same team, uh, but like Jordan Reed, right? Sometimes we get that guy that emerges from late that he ends up. Mm. He was pretty talented, and there was a lot of opportunity available to him, and the offense was actually pretty good. And you get that, and at tight end, man, it's so freaking valuable with how bad all these guys are. And like you get a little, you know, you want to put cherries on top, like Eric Bieniemy, right? They keep talking about Eric Bieniemy offenses feature the tight end, right? It's like, well, he had Travis yeah, Kelsey, but, but like, <laughs> you know, it, 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 we can favorite. we can stack these little these little things, right? That, that I do, I am bullish for Eric Bieniemy. I am bullish for Washington and all that, and so I think this is a guy like in BBM. This dude has been undrafted all summer. And if you get Washington yep. starting tight end in the 18th round, and he's 10% drafted or whatever, like. I like those other late round tight ends, if but that. like Luke, Luke Musgrave is a hundred percent drafted and now he's risen up by 25 picks or whatever. This guy is undrafted right. with the same upside that Luke Musgrave has, you know? And so I'm kind of looking to a lot of those, those types of guys. Why do I like Kyron Williams? Because of everything we talked about, but also he never gets picked. <laughs> he's yeah, never no drafted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so right. I, I like, I like those guys. And then you I was shouldn't because he's unathletic, dude. Yeah. He sucks. Don't draft that guy. Uh, <laughs> draft, Zach, draft Zach Evans. Um, <laughs> he's not in DraftKings. Traylon Burks. I was going to toss Traylon Burks out because I know he's hurt, obviously, but he's really falling. And again, especially on DraftKings, I'm talking like if you want to push it, try and push it. And like, like I'm talking like pick 125, Traylon Traylon Burks on DraftKings. Wow. I have well, I have accompl- I have accomplished that. You know what I mean? So you want a little the, backdoor that's the Tony Titans. Williams uh, corridor? Yeah, yeah. So. It just the plummet is crazy. And like, if you take a long view, like from a dynasty perspective, like <laughs> I know he's hurt right now, but like Traylon Burks at pick 125 is truly absurd. And I mean, his ADP's past 100. So uh, it's not even like right. that is, is something is, he's always available after pick 100. Uh, and I'm taking advantage. I, I'm, I'm building yeah. my teams knowing that I don't need him in week one, but I want him in week 17. 
So I need to actually Burks. take some more. What I've done is I've with him, I've been, you know, I took him in the late sixth and then he fell and I mostly sat out the fall and then I took him a ton in the eighth and now he's going to fall. And now he's falling. Again. And I'm sitting out that fall mostly till he settles. Oh, he's the 10th round price. Cool. I'll come and grab him a bunch yep. on the 10th. And then it, uh, once he falls again, <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> yeah i mean jesus christ there would be that would be that, that would be the old triple play the the the, the guy ever we're all excited wait, for falls just wait gets, till round 16 and best ball resurection yeah 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 exactly he's gonna be going in the the 16th round oh, um, he's running bag. behind so much. he's running behind nick westbrook a kind uh yeah, yeah, yeah. injury and then the resurrection drops <laughs> and he's gonna have to come up with a new insulting tier name for Traylon burks Yes, yes. We the, the the Bateman line is now the Burks line, and that line keeps falling, keeps falling. Uh, for the wider Burks or not? Please, we never, no. we never had a clip no. of them. No, we never Please, had a clip. Please no. keep it that way. Please. No Bateman, no Burks, no Dobbins, no no clips for any of these you guys. Better There's not no... have any clips of Rashad Bateman oh or God. JSN. No I'm J- trying to think no. if we have a clip for anyone that was on my team last year, and I don't think a single clip was made for a single one of those players. So there it's really fucking, is something. It's a fucking conspiracy. I get him. We have it's power. Awesome. Would they do that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got it. We got to get out of here. Obviously, uh, make sure and go check out both of these two guys' newsletters and any and all content that they are on. We'll uh, be back. We'll see what this exact these. Eh, we're let me, in the let me say if you've, if yeah, you've made it ahead. this far, I do want to say my legendary running back article will be out the, uh, later this week. So sign up for the newsletter. It's going to be completely free. That oracle will be completely free. Sign up for legendaryupside.com. Uh, get the get the article delivered to your inbox. I'm aiming for Thursday morning. Um, nice. Going three hours here didn't didn't help me hit my deadline, but um, <laughs> but I but I think I will hit it. Um, and I think I'm going to do a follow up article on some of the running backs in the dead zone as a commenter called me out on ADP chasing. Uh, it is so I can talk more about Brees Hall. That is why I'm doing it. Okay, nice. uh, but I also want to talk about Travis Etienne. And I want to talk about Ramondre Stevenson and some of these other interesting backs in the fourth round this year, which feels a little bit abnormal. But the traditional yeah, uh, early round legendary running back article <laughs> will be out uh, later this week. Awesome. Jacob? I'll also say then quick, uh, first of all, I feel a lot less bad for being half an hour late when I still did two and a half hours of podcasting with you guys. Uh, so I didn't think this one. I didn't uh, think this one was going to go that long, but I probably should have thought that through. I joked around the 90-minute the mark that we were halfway done, and um, we were, were correct. Yeah. Or I didn't uh, but, joke. I thought about joking, but my brain is <laughs> breaking now. I never said it out loud. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, if you uh, if you want to start thinking about thinking, um, basically Pat has you covered for every single early running back, and then every running back who's going outside of the top two rounds, uh, they each get a dedicated uh, place in the Hitchhiker's Guide Off Season Edition. Uh, we are through twelve backfields now, and I'll be writing about. Uh, at least 10 more plus a piece on all of the handcuffs of the first two running backs. Uh, I did the very first one free and I'm going to be doing the one that I write today free. So it will be a, uh, a really fun uh, piece talking about these new archetypes of running backs that are dead zone running backs that never used to be and how I think we should rethink the position in relation to these guys. We'll talk a lot about the Jaguars, the Steelers, uh, well, Harris, especially the JK Dobbins and the Seattle backs uh 
gonna guess it's gonna be like between eight and ten thousand words so i do apologize but you get them all for free because my normal pieces talk about two backfields each and they're about five thousand words so i don't think i'm thinking that with four backfields well the positive thing is you know we're not taking out too much time from the people between this and True. all your guys articles you know it's not like uh they're gonna spend hours and hours and hours listening to all this but when you when you kind of wrap all this shit up together Pat's articles, yours, and we basically talked about every relevant running back from round like eight on on, yeah. on this show. You really do kind of have the running back landscape in particular covered. But um, obviously, uh, if, you're, if you're watching this, it'll be you'll probably have already seen. But there, I, we have a Spike Week show Monday night, Tuesday night, and then we're just going to be ripping drafts. I know you guys are are also doing tons of drafts, obviously over at Ship Chasing and everything. We're firing drafts like crazy. So be on the lookout for probably a bunch of pre-recorded stuff. Drafters, DraftKings, Underdog, etc. But uh, for the for the three of us, and of course, long-lost friend, Davis Maddock, now long-lost on this show. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.